We are about to start. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, what's up, Jimmy? How are you guys doing today? Doing good. good. It's good to have the Chavez brothers in the house. (laughs) I didn't even know you had a brother until last night. There you go, bro. He's he's the guy that I look up to, man. Yeah, why? I don't know. Just um, ever since I was little, um, he's always been the one to get things done, the one that always I had the goals and. I was always kind of like uh, to myself a little bit more and um, um, he's always done things like, I guess, correct, you know, you know what I mean? And like what you should do kind of like the, be like the, the all time athlete in school. So Is he's the one that your parents that. liked. Yeah. He's okay. The he's the, okay. We do laugh about that a little bit. I know how that is. It's true though. And Even though my parents still deny and I guess I always will, but he was the guy. All right. So <laughs> let's let's tell let's tell people a little bit about what y'all do. Let's let's start there with a little intro. Um I I live in Houston right now. I'm a physical therapist there. I focus on the neuropopulation. That's what I specialize in. Um the neuropopulation? Mm-hmm. So you if if you get hurt, you don't want to see me as a physical therapist because you probably had a brain injury, a spinal cord injury, okay. um, Parkinson's, MS, like all the ugly stuff. Um, and so, but it's, it's something I got called to, um, something I enjoyed in school. I wasn't the best at it in school, but uh, it was kind of sexy. It was something different. And I was <laughs> like, man, this can be cool. And it's creative. It's a place where I can be creative and still learn about the body and do stuff, but you affect people's life and their family too. So it's kind of all joined together. Um, so that took me to be living in Houston after doing my doctorate in Galveston um, and so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I was able to meet a lot of really cool people in Houston and have grown to call it my home now, for sure. Nice. Quito. Uh, <clears throat> Do people still call you Quito? My family still call Well, actually, no. Not even my family still call me Quito. Just me. <laughs> no, others. Eddie Bravo calls me that too. And just a few people from my family. But mostly everyone calls me Cristobal now just because my son has the same name as me. And now everyone calls him that. Okay. It's he took over my name, but <laughs> um if Cristobal Chavez, that's what or Chris. Um I thought I, maybe your beard just got too thick for a cute ass little nickname like Kito. That, that was the reason why I did what it was. <laughs> he also he also got a little taller and the, the oh, nickname Kito started from Chiquito. Like uh, uh, I thought it was from Mosquito from your fight name. Well that's how that Mosquito came from Kito. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, Cause and effect. Yelling. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm a, t- a 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu black belt, a uh, professional mixed martial artist, and I own 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu here in El Paso. Right on. Now, for a while, you were, when you were cage fighting, you had hit, what, 8-0 or 9-0? No, I went, was it 6 6-0 amateur and 4-2 and pro. Right, but altogether, weren't you eight and zero for a while? Like after you went pro, you were still. I was ten and zero. Ten and zero. I I lost my last two fights. Yeah. Oh, that's legit, man. Ten and zero is pretty good. That's that's a nice record. I'm I'm only three and zero, but I tell everybody that I retired undefeated, (laughs) 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 which is true. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't you don't you don't plan on fighting anymore? I do. Um, I just haven't had the focus that I need to have. Um, that's one of the things that I noticed in my last two fights. Um, I lost focus, but even then, I even before that, I didn't have as much focus as I needed to at the level that I was beginning to fight at. You know, mm. since my record was growing and you know being good, and I was fighting at starting to fight at bigger promotion companies. Um, it was I was starting to fight not just the guys that you know trained on the weekends or 
yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. had their job, but also one liked fighting. It was guys that wanted to make a living out of it or were making a living out of it. Yeah. And um, I just didn't have, I didn't really have a coach, um, like a striking coach and like all out general coach, like MMA coach. I was kind of coaching myself while I was coaching my students, while I was teaching classes, while I was teaching kids while I was training myself. So it was running a gym, running a gym. It's a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of stuff so going heads. on and I was able to do it, but then I had my twin boys and that just like took a big part of my I'm sure. brain. Yeah. I'm sure. How old are they now? They're about to turn three tomorrow, November 1st. Tomorrow? Okay. Tomorrow. Right on. Oh, that's cool. And, um, we've, uh, got some badass fights tonight. I know, man. I'm a huge fan of Anderson. So I know. See, I got him right there. I saw that. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Anderson Silva, man. I just, I feel like he, I'm not one to judge or tell him what to do. He's, for me, he is the GOAT. You know, he's the one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. And um, whatever, I'm just learning from what his experiences, but I feel like they're, he's one of the persons that's going to teach me or teach, you know, the MMA community when it is right or wrong to retire, you know. Uh, I've seen people like Henry Sahula or like even Khabib that I feel are retiring too early, you know, and it's smart because they've already made some money and they're, I'm sure they're thinking a lot on their health and their brain health and stuff like that. And I think Anderson was retiring too late or maybe it's just, you know, I mean, too late for his like legacy or for his like reputation that he's trying to, that maybe he is trying to, or we're trying to hold him up at, or maybe he's just trying to keep fighting just because he loves it. You know, he doesn't. I care think that's what it is, man. I think he can't find uh, a, another adequate thrill. Mm-hmm. I think like fighting is 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 just it's such a unique feeling at the end of the fight, especially. I mean, leading up to the fight, there's a whole mixture of emotions, but after the fight, there's this great accomplishment and relief and joy, and it's a it's and it's peace. peace. It's a myriad of emotions that's hard to describe. I tell people I can't really describe how it is yeah, after very, a fight. It's weird because um, I don't I, know if there's anything that can duplicate that. Definitely not. No, definitely not. I mean, what could? I mean, war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like a, that could some be something a little that bit duplicates that. it, right? Yeah, but yeah. um, it's it's weird because martial arts or fighting, uh, you have to be at make your decisions ba- not based off of emotion, you know, based off of sure. you know, tactics and, you know, winning. And if you are basing your decisions off of emotion, that's when you fall into traps and that's when you start losing. But at the same time, it's something that it, it's, it's like a very emotional thing. You know what I'm saying? Like leading up to it or beginning be right before you fight, like you're out in the back warming up. Um, you're just going over so many things in your in your mind of if are you trained did you train enough or how do you feel how does your injury feels like because you always end up getting injuries leading up to it um how does that feel are you ready you know how pissed are you not pissed but how ready are you to you know kill this guy because honestly every time i was fighting i was legit trying to kill that person you know mm. people don't think that it's just like oh fight i'm trying to knock him out or beat him or punch him i'm legit trying to kill this person and the only person that's going to hold me back is that referee right let me pull the pull them off of you and um, at the same time, um, there's a lot of emotions where you want to, like, I would legit be wanting to cry back there, you know, just knowing that my parents are out there watching and mm. uh, feeling all the pressure from my mom, you know, like being sad and not wanting to you to fight because you're her baby. You know? And yeah. I could, I could um, perceive that a lot more now that I have kids, 
feeling like shit. Like every time I see my kids get hurt, or the the risk of them getting hurt when they do something that's pretty emotional and all your student and me as a coach, all your students knowing they're out there for you. And just you, you, that goes through your head. And I use that to channel my energy in a correct way. Like there's no way I'm losing in front of my people. Yeah. So it's very emotional thing going on before the fight and during the fight. And afterwards it's just, it's just, it's beautiful. And I think you're putting an extra burden on your shoulders that you don't need by thinking about disappointing your friends and your family and your students I think if you if you could find a way to not well, think about it, that, I use it in a positive way. I I feel I have to use. It. I mean, because it is there, you kind of just ignore it. But it is there, and I use it. I would use it to, um, you know, push me to perform for them. You know, why I was there, out there doing it. You know, not just for myself, but yeah, it's like that person was fighting all of us. You know, not just me. Mm. It was through me, but he was fighting all my community, all my family, all, all of us together. That's where you gather a sense of purpose, I guess. Yeah. You're mm. why. When I, guess, I see Anderson Silva, I guess just as a true fan of MMA, not a practitioner and somebody who's a little bit more involved like you guys are, I, I see a sense of kind of just relaxing and he finds oh, yeah. value in being in the cage. I don't, he doesn't do a lot more other things outside of it, right? Like mm -hmm. that we notice as, as fans. He, that is his personality. That's where, where he comes from. That's who he is. And for him to retire from that, he sends, I feel like he would lose a sense of who he is, a sense of value. For sure. Yeah. He can teach and he can bring up another generation, but for him, like he, he goes in there and you see how loose he is. You see yeah. how he interacts in a fight. He doesn't seem very pressured. He seems very much able to, to be more on a, on a place, at least from our perspective where he is just very, able to just be in the moment not feel the pressure from everyone else yeah and then you see all the fighters as soon as they're done the respect that they show for each other most of the time the getting down on, on one knee and, and picking somebody else up and that that respect kind of thing is is something that needs to be brought up more and more because fighting is such a, a different kind of sport for sure yeah I, well i think he's at a point of he's been at a point ever since he had the title i remember when he had the title he was already starting to talk about he doesn't want the title anymore. He wants to fight, but he doesn't want the obligations and the pressure of carrying that belt. He just wants to help. And he doesn't want, he doesn't want to fight five, five round fights anymore either. He wanted to just do three round fights just for his own entertainment. And that's what he's doing now. And there's something kind of cool about a fighter that no longer has a record to worry about. Kind of like with Cerrone. Like Cerrone got to a point where he was just losing so much. He's like, well, fuck it. What's, 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 a, what's another loss? You know, I don't have a record to worry about anymore. He changed too after he had his kid. Um, his style of fighting and how he looked at He him. named his kid Danger. Good God. <laughs> Such a white guy. <laughs> who, who names their kid Danger? He's white, bro. Oh, oh my white God. Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. yeah. um, I, I think also he changed. Uh, he did like DMT. He was talking about that on the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, once, yeah. And like his perception on life changed a lot. Mm. He's the same guy that was giving out his address, right? And saying, come come fight me if you really want to fight me. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Did he? Yeah, he did. He gave out his home address? <laughs> well, it's a ranch in the middle of like New Mexico. Yeah. He's like, anyone go out there. And there's like a gate. Like, he'll mm. see you coming. Like, he's like, yeah. he'll, he'll shoot you. <laughs> you you want to fight in. me? Come. Here's my address. Yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, there's something really cool about fighters that just get to a point of they're fighting just to fight and they're not concerned about their record or their legacy or any of that they just want to be known as somebody who always fought their hardest and gave it their best 
Um, but there, I, going back to what you said earlier about our Khabib and, <clears throat> and Henry Cejudo possibly retiring too early, I like to see champions leave on top. Yeah, I like, like I like to see like a, a story, career. Right? Yeah, well, like you you never know when when the time is gonna is gonna come where you're you're just gonna show up one day in the cage and you're gonna be old and you're not gonna be as fast, you're not gonna be as strong, you're not gonna react as quickly. And you're going to lose. That's where and, you have uh, Randy Couture or Dan yeah, Henderson. And that's amazing, bro. What Dan, do you mean? Dan Henderson, uh, when he knocked out Bisping, well, once and one. Second time he kept doing that same thing with H-Bomb. It's just, I feel like that's also um, very respectable. You know, hmm. um, Dan Henderson kept fighting till the wheels came off. Yeah, well, and that, that's kind of what Anderson is doing. But my point is, somebody who goes out on top, like George St. Pierre, like, uh, and of course he came back for that one rematch. But somebody who goes out on top, there's something cool about that. About a fighter knowing when to when to say, "All right, I've kicked everybody's ass that there is, and I've been a champion for eight, nine, ten years." Like it would have been cool if Aldo retired before that yeah. before that Connor fight. I mean, he was unbeaten for ten years. He would have gone down as one of the greatest ever. And then Connor knocks him out in ten seconds, and all of a sudden he just doesn't have that same, that mojo. same yeah that's that the mojo's gone. And then now, and then he went and dropped weight because I I don't know if he just started questioning whether he should be at one forty five and 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 if he should be fighting smaller guys. I don't know what happened there with him mentally, but Connor something McGregor happened. Just ate him alive in his mind. I think so. Dude, they Devoured did, him. They did press conferences for like. A whole year <laughs> <laughs> yeah i see what you're saying, better like at that at, than Connor. as a as a storyline as as something that you're appreciating as as enjoying the sport you're like man i want like i remember like george st pierre like i love that guy yeah and seeing watching him train and those kinds of and like i enjoyed what like he was one of the reasons i started doing intermittent fasting like because I was like, that guy. Are you still doing that? Oh, we're going to get into it. Yeah. I'll tell you about my experience because <laughs> okay. it's been years, man. And, oh, really? And it's been really, really cool. But he was one of my big like motivations where I, I like that guy and I want him to do well. But when you see him go back in there and, and he's just not where he needs to be, you're like, damn it, dude. You shouldn't have done that to yourself. Well, you enjoy his, the story in that sense. For sure. his, his coach maintains that GSB can still kill anybody. I'm sure. That's, that's what he says. He's like, I've never seen anything like this guy. He can still kill anybody. He's nuts, man. Yeah, he's really good. So they have ring rust. Like, say he, he came back Ooh, that's a good and like fight um, Khabib, right? I think Khabib would kick his ass. Maybe the GSP from when he retired. At what weight? By welterweight, right? <clears throat> you think... Is he Khabib right at 170? Not that big, man. Do you think GSP will make 170? Oh, yeah. Of course. Dude, there was rumors about him going to 55 to fight Khabib. Have you seen some, he's got this one picture on his Instagram where he just looks so so lean and just smaller than ever and it could just be a camera trick yeah, yeah, yeah. but he looked really really lean and he looked very very thin like very ripped but not as as buff as he usually is and people were wondering if he's getting ready for Khabib but <laughs> it, but but after, but the, with the post fight interviews it didn't seem like it um I don't think he will So how how long have you been doing intermittent fasting why'd you start um Honestly, it's probably been close to three years now. Um, and how, how do you do it? Like one meal a day or 16-hour fast? Um, or? I try to say what, what's been something that I've, I've been able to keep up with has been like at least 12 hours, sometimes more around 14 hours. Mm. Um, and it just it was a way to keep a routine. I've always been interested in, in diet and nutrition, um, especially for being a physical therapist. I want to be able to 
portray what I teach. Um, and physical therapy does include a lot of nutrition. It's not definitely part of our practice act and it's not something we can tell people to do, but we have to live it, right? Like if somebody walks in and, and I'm overweight and I don't look fit, it's harder for them to take my experience and my advice yeah. uh, seriously. And so I've always tried, I've tried keto. I, I did vegan for, for eight months, you know, how'd that go? It was awesome, man. It was a great experience. I learned to eat different things that I never knew. I learned to cook differently. Um, it was because I was living with two friends that are amazing people and they're vegan for health reasons. And I was in their home. So I said, Hey, I'm going to do what you do. Right. Um, and that, that kind of took it off. And I, I've done all diets that you can imagine. I've, I've tried them at least for a month. That's been mm. my mindset. Um, the keto thing didn't work for me. My body just didn't take it. Yeah. Um, and when I started hearing about intermittent fasting, like initially I was like, that makes no sense. I used to wake up early and I had to eat. Like it was this, this mindset that I needed to have food in my body because I was not feeling good. Yeah. But then I realized it was a relationship with food that I had that I needed to just chomp on stuff. Mm. And I ate fairly clean. I ate well. Um, but that's when I started realizing my body can take differently what I, I'm ingesting. Um, and you know, GSP was one of the people who said like, Hey, and, and it stuck for me forever. But he said, a lion doesn't go to hunt after he had breakfast, right? Like he doesn't go. Eat yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. okay, now I'm going to go hunt I need to be my best right now. He goes, I'm hella hungry. Like this is when I need to be my best. And that was kind of a, a cool little mind switch that I said, you can live without that much food or you can not just get in a routine of eating because we're supposed to eat. Or being and, okay having an empty stomach. Right? Yeah, being just okay you have an empty that. stomach doesn't mean you have to eat. And and just, a headache or like a, maybe it you grow to believe that it's something different. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoyed it, man. And it was something I could do. I got into some of the research. I enjoy reading into some of those nerdy things. And and kind of it made sense. What nerdy me. things? Um, I like nerdy things. I do too, man. <laughs> it makes me like justify some of the things that I'm doing. But some of the research that they had done was you know, we are diurnal animals. Like we live during the day and some of the people that eat during the day when the sun is out, we're doing so much better than the people who work night shift and eat at night. And they were, they did some research on stuff where they were literally eating the same exact meals, but just in during the night, during their night shift. And they gained more weight um, because their metabolism was just not Optimized. slows down at night it just it's different that's the way we're we're genetically designed right yeah whatever you believe in and and so i started kind of saying okay well let me see what my body does to this and it's it's kind of cool i've gotten a routine where i i try not to eat after eight i try to make it earlier and earlier but you know life gets in the way or i'm seeing patients or i'm doing stuff a little later and so and there's that, like really good food. <laughs> and that's a cool thing about it, right? Like you have to, you have to create the diet has to be something that you can consistently be willing to participate. And I got home and my mom was like, Hey, you want something? And I was like, ah, okay, mom, like, you know, I just already started my fast. And she was like, well, you, you're going to be here for four days. Your fast is out the window. You know? I was like, it's cause you know what? You're right. <laughs> a, a few years back, he would come back into town and I think it's when you were vegan too. My parents hated him because <laughs> parents are Mexican, right? And my mom's like, yeah, it's show love. Yeah, show There's love. nothing vegan in a Mexican diet. Dude, nothing. <laughs> it can't be, it can't be. She would 
he would show up and he sure already had like chicharron made for him and stuff. We were make and like this and that and then like and knowing like when Santi left to college it was like eat, eat that's all he would do he yeah so much he was known for like eating so much and the most right well just by looking at the two of you side by side it looks like he, he <laughs> ate the most <laughs> well i i always i was always like not a eater kind of guy and i was very picky with my food when, when you were younger. little yeah for yeah. sure but um so when he would come into town my parents were like oh something's coming gotta make this this and that and he would show up being like oh no do you have like lettuce and shit <laughs> lettuce it was just some of the things you, you think about, right? Like you're trying to make a change for your own self. And then you, you realize that like some of those things can affect other people yeah. trying to show you love. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And so intermittent fasting has been a way that I can kind of manage all of those things. Well, you're not doing very long fasts either. I mean, no. you're doing a 12 to 14 hour fast. A 12 hour fast is what Christians do during Lent. They, yeah. I mean, that's that's just, the, you know, and then they... You they, get to include your eight hours of sleep too. So right, right. So, so it's really not a big deal. No. I mean, if you wake up, let's say at 8 a.m. and you don't eat till noon, it's it's not that big of a deal. I just wonder how, how much health benefits there are to that. So the only... I haven't done too much research on intermittent fasting, but the little bit that I looked into said that the intermittent fasting experiments were done on mice. Mm -hmm. And the way that they were done is they would, they would restrict the mouse, the, the, the mice, the mices that wouldn't be, can I say mices? (laughs) The mice, (laughs) they would restrict the mice. They they, they wouldn't allow them to eat for 16 hours. And then they would let them feast as much as they want for eight hours. And the mice would not gain any weight. Now there was some muscle mass that was increasing too. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, a sixteen-hour fast for a mouse is a lot longer than it is for a human. So we're not too sure yet to what degree those benefits extend. Like the proportion to from a right. mouse size to a human size. Some of the things right. that I've heard initially are that, like, when people start doing this, it becomes like a caloric restriction. Yeah. And so people notice differences and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm losing weight because for some reason, weight's the only parameter that people look at when yeah. it comes to nutrition. I um, consider sexiness when it comes to diet. <laughs> That's more important than weight. What, are, what response important. are you getting? Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Um, but you're right. Like, it, it's very different. Um, I spoke to a nutritionist. Uh, she, she works at one of the main hospitals there in Houston. Um, and I was, of course, interested in, in hearing her perspective on this. And she said, you know, initially, she kind of, Threw me, threw me aside and was like, oh, yeah, you haven't done it long enough. I was like, no, I've done this for almost two years now. And she's like, oh, you have you have done this. And she said it, it takes years for there to be some hormonal changes mm. um, for your body to start really kind of ramping up and being ready to start your metabolism when you begin to put some sort of nutrition to your body at whenever you break your fast yeah honestly the biggest thing that it taught me was a a different relationship with food man because thankfully i have a fast metabolism but i was always raising just eating because i wanted to choose something yeah yeah yeah. and when i had this mindset and i had a a routine it helped me i said no i'm not gonna eat i'm just gonna drink water i'll eat tomorrow and it, it changed the way that i was able to approach food and that gave me a little bit more control to say hey I'm okay without eating because it was yeah. bad. So, yeah, well, what, what a lot of people don't realize is that if your stomach is growling, it's because it's run out of stuff to digest and it's bored. <laughs> it is not necessarily a need for nutrients. Right. And so I especially look at really fat people who are trying to lose weight and they say, 
Oh, but I'm hungry. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you need to eat. It just means your stomach is empty. Right. Like you could go two months without food <laughs> at your size because you essentially have you you have food storage all, yeah. all over. They're not hungry. Everywhere. They're just perceiving hunger. Like their perception yes. of hunger yes. and the routine of eating is is where they're doing that. And what's hungry is their brain. Like their brain. It's probably hungry. more of a mental thing. Yeah. Or more of a habit. Like you're saying, you're just used to chewing stuff. Right. And so or you could even you could chew also, a piece of gum and that'll probably be what I've noticed that um, a lot of people do that struggle with diet and struggle with losing weight is because they base what they're going to eat off of their cravings. And like, oh, we should oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it sounds good. And you should. What I learned when I was cutting weight all the time for fights was not focusing on that. Focus it on fuel on what I needed to be eating. You know, so you just look at your, at food as just fuel. You know, like okay, I need to eat this. I need to eat more vegetables. I need to eat fish. I need to. Eat well, that's this. when you have a focus. Yeah. Then then it goes from being something that you do for joy or for 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 mouth pleasure <laughs> to something that you're doing for necessity. Yeah. And then you stop going to Chick Fil A every day like I do. And I used to even go on Sundays, and then they stopped opening on Sundays. No, I'm kidding. They've always <laughs> been closed on yeah, Sundays. <laughs> no, the the fuel comment is is very true. I mean, there's a there's a friend of mine at, at work that when we order food on Fridays, this thing that I enjoy doing, um, he'd be like, hey, where are we, where are we ordering from? And I'm like, I don't know. Where do you want? It? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I brought food, but that's that's food for fuel. He's yeah. Like, it's just boring. It's, you know, he's Filipino. He's, he's eating rice and chicken, you know? <laughs> and like, but there's a craving, right? There's a social interaction. There is a community that comes when you're ordering food together where you're trying to meet. Hey, what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's go eat. Right. Like this, it's you're doing something that, for sure that makes you want to be a part of a group. Or a lot of times it's just done for fun than it is for, for nutrition. For the that's part of the problem. And that, the I mean, it's kind of fun so though, but it, right. Like, Oh, there's so much in of other it. countries. Like they're not, they're, they're not planning their day around like, Hey, where are we going to eat? For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just think that we have how many homeless people in America. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. And we have so many obese homeless people in America. That's how many calories are in this country. Right. It's insane. They don't, they're not, yeah, they're, they're not, they're homeless. They're not hungry, right? Most of the time they do have places to go. I've had experiences with homeless people where I, I gave him money and he was trying to sell me these coupons man, from 7-Eleven. Somebody gave him, Hey, I'm not going to give you money. I'm going to give you slurpees and hot dogs and i was like wow that's really cool and this guy's trying to sell them to me i was like you know what i do like slurpees like, <laughs> so I, I grabbed i grabbed 10 bucks and i gave him the 10 bucks and i was like just give me the slurpee one you keep the keep hot the dog, hot dog. right because my mindset is like this guy maybe doesn't have a place to, to have food and he goes oh no i don't like hot dogs like, he's like i don't i'm not gonna use it and i was like Oh, so clearly he's not starving. He wasn't. Yeah, because you'll eat anything. I when when you cut weight for a fight, don't you crave things that you normally don't like? Yes, <laughs> like I everything. like one thing. I I can't stand cinnamon. I've never eaten anything with cinnamon in my life. <laughs> so good. can't stand cinnamon. When I had one of my fights, when I was cutting down to one sixty, I craved a cinnamon roll, <laughs> and I just I, I I was just so depleted. I had nothing in my body. I think probably what I was craving is the sugar in it, right? That that glaze that they put on top. But I actually would have eaten a cinnamon roll that day. And I've never, I can't even, like right now, I, I don't like going to stores around this time of year because when you walk in, they've got like cinnamon scents all over the place. I have, to, I have to hold my breath when I walk into a store because I don't even want to smell it. It bothers me. But that's how bad it is. When you're starving, you'll eat just about anything. Something that I want to add on to uh, my brother with uh, homeless people is 
I noticed that about that. This is my conclusion that a lot of things that people are homeless, not just because, not because oh, they can't find a job or they're struggling. I feel it has to do with like mental illness. There's a lot of that. And Absolutely. my mom has always been someone to be giving out stuff. So she would, um, when they would go on, she, my mom's a teacher. When they would go on field trips, they would give sack lunches for all the students. And a lot of students wouldn't eat them. My mom would gather them and go and give them to the homeless people when she would be driving around. Um, and I would be with her all the time and I would be, we would park and get down and like, be here, here you go. And she would just, I could see my mom would be so happy that she was helping these people. And a lot of times people would like throw them away in, in front, front of, of us. Jeez. She would give once she, she had her little bag of coins, she emptied it out and she had like a lot of pennies and like dimes and nickels and gave it to the person that was asking for it and just keep doing it. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, last time, yes. last time I was traveling, uh, in 2000, early 2019 was the last time I went out of the country. I was connecting flights in New York and I walk outside the airport terminal. I had to spend the night there because of a delay. So I was going anyway, I walk outside of the terminal and there's a guy over there who's trying to get some money. And he says, Hey, can you help me out? And, you know, he starts giving me his story. I said, it's here, man. And I just, I gave him five bucks. I was feeling generous, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the funny part. He goes, uh, can you do 20? Damn. I'm like, $20? What is the New York prices? <laughs> when is five bucks not a good, not a good donation anymore? It's like, what, whatever, happened to, what you you got, whatever happened to you got some spare change? I told, him, I told him, no, I don't have a 20. And I went to put it back in my wallet. He's like, okay, okay, I'll take it. I'm like, really, guy? Twenty bucks? Well, and that goes to goes back to playing the, the <laughs> comment that was said. Like, it's it's a mental health thing, right? Like, they people struggle, man. I serve a population in Houston that is on the brink of sometimes being homeless, right? Like, these people are like barely making it, and then they have a stroke, and now they're just gone. They oh. they can't they can't make their rent. They can't do some of these things because now they can't work. And the little work they were doing, I mean, and they're just a couple decisions away from, from being in a bad place and whether they chose to be there or they didn't like some of these people just can't climb out of that, man. Right. It really is sad to see. And we, we base all our, our decisions on, on homeless people or, or any group on the experiences we had, right? Like your experience in New yeah, York, yeah, my yeah, experience yeah, sure. in Austin and, and some of the places that I've encountered homeless people, but that's, that's not always the case. No, um, of course not. And mental health does play a huge reason or a huge thing into into the their well-being and i'm glad we we can bring that up over and over again man because yeah. it needs to be addressed somehow or another so you're dealing mainly with people who have had strokes tbi um something neurovascular not is, is neurovascular the right sure the right yeah, it's nerves and blood together yeah they usually go together neuro well what's the right neuro neurological 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 yeah. not, not neurovascular uh <laughs> neurological issues um do you do much? Have you ever treated any fighters that 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 have been? Yeah, actually, um, one of my favorite patients of all time, and this guy, I remember I would tell my brother about him. Jacked, jacked black dude. He was so cool and sweet as can be, man. The guy had stories forever, and he had a stroke, is what he told me. Mm. Um, he he actually was a part of a book that somebody wrote uh, about him. And he brought it to me and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I started going through it and I was like, whoa, when did you have your other strokes, dude? You told me, he's like, oh man, no, 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 that wasn't anything. And I was like, what are you talking about? 
in some of the ways that he would tell stories, I started realizing like there's much more than just like the cognitive deficits that he received or, or had through his strokes. There was a lot more, like there was something underlying there. And then you start, I knew and I realized more because of the experience I had with my brother and like being into the whole fighting scene from, from afar as a third person, you know, it's, I was like, man, this guy, there, that's where it is. Like there's some other things, but his approach towards rehab, man, was amazing. The guy could do some things that I was like, he had such dense, dense hemiparesis. I could not use his arm or his He leg. had what? What's it called? Uh, hemiparesis. So just like not being able to use your arm or your leg. Hemiparesis. So hemi. So one side. One sided. Um, and so his right side was doing awesome. Right? Okay. Like, but that's yeah, because of huge. the ner uh, nerve damage he had or? The location of where his injury was in his brain. Was this from a fight? No, from a stroke. Oh, okay. Uh, a stroke being oh, like yeah, you a, said that. an, an a, like not getting blood flow to that part of the brain and mm. the brain dying and, and finding ways for the brain to reconnect happens through rehabilitation to through forcing him to do certain things. And that's kind of my job, but finding that motivation for him was through fighting through some of the experiences he's had, but it was kind of cool because he already had the struggle, the fight. He had already been through that for years and years and years. And then now he had to apply it to survival yeah. because the guy couldn't walk. Oh, geez. And he got up from his chair, dude. And there was times where he was just like, oh, I do this. And I was like, yeah, this guy's a fighter. Yeah, like a yeah. real fighter. It's a way of life. Like he, you couldn't take that away from him. Yeah. And he freaking did stuff, man. I would have him doing fight things, fighting things, right? Like punching or trunk stuff or core. Oh, man, I used to do this. But really? Let's try to do it. I'll, I'll set up something. I'll rig something up for you to do a squat, for you to do this. And it was scary. And some of the times I probably shouldn't have done it <laughs> because I was about to drop him, but he, he wanted to, and he tried. And so that was a, a really cool experience for me yeah. where I go, how do I, how do I get other patients to react like him? And I just need to talk to him about something. Right. Yeah. I think they have to have it in them, man. It's exactly. the type of person that you are, you know, it's, it's um, I feel a lot of things are genetic too. Um, and I could um, talk about that because I have, I teach little kids also from like five years oh, old. Yeah. Yeah, all the way another end. all the way to like 50 year old people right and uh there's some kids that even when they're five years old they're they have something in them that they're like they don't give up they fight i mean i used to think that it was the way they got brought up or the way parents teach them and stuff like that but there's other things that yeah not at that age no they're it just comes natural to them and other kids at that same age that are have a little bit different of mentality already that they don't they're not driven they're they give up right away or you know there's an obstacle and they're just like ah, oh, well excuse for pe it. people are like any other species where there's prey and predator and and that's that that that's what comes out at a young age when you see kids how competitive they are when they're playing games with each other there's always a kid that just takes it a little bit <laughs> a little bit further there's a kid that just runs a little <laughs> bit faster because there's always a kid that really wants to win I always hated losing from the time I was a kid and my parents would always tell me and my parents and, and just other older people would always talk to me about sportsmanship and they'd say, Oh, well you got to have good sportsmanship. It's okay if you lose. And I'm like, no, I hate losing. I don't want to like, no, I'm mad. I like, yeah, I'll go shake the guy's hand, but I'm not going to do it with a smile on my face. I'm, I'm angry that I lost. And you grow up and but then you start at looking at or angry at them. No, angry at myself. I never get angry at other people 
for my shortcomings. Exactly. It's all, and Some that, people don't see it that way, though. Well, those people are bitches, <laughs> and they're never going to get too far in life. Exactly. Because if you can't take accountability and say, I lost, right? Like, if, if that's one of the reasons I don't like team sports. Because if I'm if I'm in a in a cage fight or a jujitsu match and I lose, it's 100% on me. There's nobody else that I can blame. Oh, he dropped the ball. He fumbled it. He didn't get the pass right. If only he'd give me the assist. There's none of that. Either either you win or you lose. But as a kid, you're you're taught to to kind of let go of some of that some of that drive that makes people great. Like that's the one thing that makes talk, look at any great athlete or, or anybody who's accomplished anything in life. That's really, really big that, that, that they're forever remembered by. And they all have one thing in common. They're sore losers. And <laughs> as you get older, you got, you know, like there's, there's a saying, you show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. And I've always been a sore loser. And I just, that, I think that has a lot to do with why I get good at whatever it is that I pursue. Yes. I, you think I, it was genetic though? Like you think yeah. you were born with that? I think so. Cause even as a kid, I would, I would just get so angry if I lost, I was always like, there was always the kids who were okay. No matter what we're playing, if we're playing tag or soccer or whatever it is that we're playing, I always tried to win. And there was always kids who just wanted to participate. And there was always kids who were cool, just sitting on the side and watching. Yep. And it, to me, it was always like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to win or I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. No, there's both though. I mean, the, the, great part of this is that like my brother has an opportunity to teach some of these kids who are maybe on the cusp right they weren't really born with it but they kind of have some of the stuff or even the kids that maybe didn't have that in them like they genetically weren't predisposed to have that yep he gets to give them opportunities to learn because we're just feedback mechanisms mm -hmm. right if we have a good experience if we have some good advice if we get that that position or if we win something then you you bring that to your next life experience. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, they could definitely learn it. That's awesome. They man. could definitely yeah. learn it, but it's not going to be the same as the people that are. No, it won't. Sure. And they have some kids that do know it because that's honestly the way the world works. You know? Yeah. It's a dog eat dog world out there. Um, yeah. You well, have to be competitive, and you have to be trying to, and you have to learn from your experiences, learn from your losses, and I get that a lot from some parents that um, some are like, oh, well, it's because he always gets so hard on himself when he loses and he can't do that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, that's okay. You know, I could work. With oh that. yeah. He definitely has to make it into a positive. That's what I want to train. Yes. Yeah. And he definitely has to make that into something positive and to learn from it and become better for them. Feed off of that to not let it happen again. I prefer those students over the ones that lose and they're just like, eh, whatever. Or, and I feel like this is maybe taught by parents. Um, they go and lose at the kid goes and loses at a tournament or something. And the parents like, Oh, well it's cause that kid was a sandbag. I hate that. Or that kid. But those was are loser parents. Year. Yes. The dad's probably that kid fat. Was, that, kid, <laughs> that kid was, that kid uh, was heavier than you. That referee cheated. He, he didn't see, look at the, and it's like, so whether you believe that. And yep, I'm like, whether yep. you believe that or not, man, you know, that's different, but don't tell that to him. Cause now that's you're right. justifying him why he lost. So yes. why he lost, he's not taking accountability for it. It's someone else's, uh, fault that he lost you know there's always going to be cheating and there's always going to be you know referees making mistakes and the people that that are getting first place they could still overcome that too because that is part of the game where referees make bad calls and you still have to win anyways there's nothing you can do about it you're not going to go back in time you know you still got to it, it just makes the storyline even better you know like even though the referee messed up or even though the guy was heavier than you and sandbagging or something um you still came and still beat them you know that says a lot about you and you could still win you want me to tell you who's my least favorite UFC fighter? Yes. 
John Dotson. Really? Why? I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> Years ago, I was doing a tournament, Grapples Fest, up in Albuquerque. Oh, he beat you. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's 120 pounds. Okay. We, no, he was the referee for my match. Oh. It was my first tournament up in Albuquerque. It was the first time I went out of town for a tournament. Grapple Fest? Grapple Fest. And I, since then, I'd, I'd done it, I think, probably like eight times. But anyway, uh, so, we, so the, the match, so you know, uh, Grapple Fest, they have a point system. Either, yeah, you gotta, either you got to tap the guy out. Tournament, I don't know, like eight years. Yeah, yeah. Either you got to tap the guy out or you get points for side control, mount, takedowns, things like that. Well, the match ended 0-0. Zero, zero. There's no points, right? And he gives the other guy the win. And he, I, I, go, I go, ref, what's going on? He wasn't, even, he wasn't even on the Ultimate Fighter at that time. He got on the Ultimate Fighter like a year later, and I kept watching the show just because I wanted him to lose. <laughs> um, I said, well, what the hell? He goes, oh, the other guy was, was trying harder. Like, oh. What do you mean trying harder? If he was trying harder, he presumably would have beaten me, right? So I was furious, and I went home. The whole drive home, I was really pissed off. I was angry for a while after that. Awesome. And then I, I, I came to, to, a, to a realization. I just had a talk with myself, and I said, look, if you don't tap the guy out, just don't complain. Exactly. Whatever, if, it, if the decision doesn't go your way, Dana White always says that. Don't leave it in the hands of the judges and come bitching to me. Right. He doesn't say come bitching to me, but that's that's the corollary to that statement. Right. You can understand that's, that's that's what he means, because fighters always complain. It's and just, that's what you the said flaw of the system, though, um, and you have to go by, you know, even being a tap him out, take, take it, take take full accountability. Like Khabib has had 29 fights. He won every one of them. And there's even the ones that went to decision. There's never been a question in anybody's mind as to whether or not he won that decision. Yeah, but sometimes some people are evenly matched and you could both be going balls to the wall right and it's a close freaking match yeah well that's why i don't like well that's why i don't like uh, uh point systems and tournaments and that, that's actually a great point to to bring up your tournament that you started years ago desert jiu-jitsu championships because you do ebi rules over there right which is a 10 minute match no points and, and if nobody submits nobody um you go to overtime rules. So it's yeah. what, what gave you the idea, first of all, to start that tournament? Did you just want to, were there like, you just wanted to put on your own show and do it right? By I definitely wanted um, to put on my own show because in El Paso, there was only one local tournament going on and the jiu-jitsu scene needed to grow or just the martial arts scene in general needed to I'm going to write down the name of the tournament and ask you if that's the one that you're talking about because it's bullshit. Is that it? I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. that was the only one and uh there was an experience <laughs> i can't stand that tournament <laughs> i have I, that was my up. first tournament i have like 14 medals from that tournament that i got over three years they all look the same they all it's all the same medal i'm like dude get a different medal for god's sake <laughs> and that that is the reason why almost every single year i have a different type of medal cool <laughs> but anyways um what i was gonna say is the reason I started that tournament is because there was only one tournament going on locally and it. which was, I feel in my opinion was poorly done and uh, was very biased. So for sure. So I was like, I can't, I can't have this. I need to do my own tournament. And at the same time, I was already working at the Gracie, Gracie tournaments under Rose Gracie, uh, Gracie nationals and Gracie worlds out in San Jose and in LA. I had already been refing for like three or four years, probably three years. And um, they, they're the ones that actually started the submissions only tournament. The submission only rule set under uh, Javi Vasquez is the one that developed it, but his was 15 minute matches. And if nobody won, if nobody submitted nobody, you both lost, which is a cool concept in itself too. But there was yeah. a lot of flaws for it to be a tournament because, yeah. say, there's um, because who wins in the end? 
sometimes there were brackets where nobody won, which is like, what? Somebody was hey, that's life. So, right? <laughs> Go home. Yeah. Right? So you all suck. It was <laughs> flat. For example, what happened to me once, um, it, there was an odd number of people where one guy got a buy and I'd had my first match and won. It was like a 12 minute match. And then the other two guys both lost. And then the, the fifth guy had a buy. So he automatically advanced. Mm. And then the other two guys that lost, nobody advanced. So that guy got a double buy to the finals and I won my second match. And then I go to my third. I had my third match already. All tired, and this guy was his first match in the final. Oh jeez! <laughs> and that, that's how, how is he gonna be first or second place? I ended up losing. And then the the finals match, which was really cool, is no time limit. So we actually ended up going like twenty seven minutes, jeez. and I ended up losing. I like that. That's awesome. I, I like think that's that. Awesome. Yeah. But that can't be. Go- what we learned there is that we can't do that in the white belt division because white belts don't have too much of an arsenal yet. And I remember refing matches for like. The, the white white belt D division masters. So we had like fifty something year old white belts in the finals that don't know too much. They're already old and like don't have too much energy. And I'm refing this guy for like forty five minutes, just standing, <laughs> there. and then nothing is happening. And I'm just like getting frustrated, looking at oh shit, there's an armbar right there, and I can't coach either, tell him anything. I'm just so. There, there was a flaw in that that Eddie saw because Eddie was the one that was participating the most, or Eddie Bravo was pushing all the ten planet people to participate the most because he agreed with that rule set and he saw there was a flaw in that because clearly someone ha- someone is better than the other, and there has to be a way to um, find out who was better and it was those overtime rules and even then those are what not if, perfect either because right. what if you're not good at back control or well, why are we giving someone a back control position when he didn't earn that position yeah. that makes sense too but this well, is the it, closest it, thing to it being a perfect competition than the points because points has a lot of human error with the referees and points and well, like it's just not it doesn't it doesn't dictate anything it doesn't say anything and especially was, especially when wrestlers were winning exactly. jiu-jitsu tournaments that was really pissing people off because they get a takedown and then they spend the entire Stalling. match in the guard and Stalling and through. yeah and then they win and even as a coach and as a friend or even as the one fighting it's perfectly makes perfect perfectly good sense if you're tired and you've had this crazy match and you're up by one point and there's 45 seconds left on the clock you're gonna stall them out because you want to win yeah oh for sure for sure and you well, hear people in the corner hold them hold up 20 seconds it's like, <laughs> i've done that, that. Oh, yeah especially in gi in gi if you've got 20 seconds and even even if it's 50 seconds and you're up on points you, you just hold them you just grab onto that gi as tight as you can and hold them i mean yeah, it's anti jujitsu. It's not anti jujitsu because that is a jujitsu has a lot to do with control, but it's not. It's a makes it boring. So right. as, another, a, as a spectator, I've exactly. seen many of those matches. I'm like, keep so that, going, dude. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another thing that Eddie also saw. Um, that was a flaw. It was boring to everyone, and submissions only makes it really fun because as soon as the time starts running out. People are going a hundred miles an hour now to oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. submission. Yeah. They're looking. And that makes it even cool. What looking. if what I have an idea for this? What if for the if, if two people go 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever the duration of the round is, and nobody taps the other person out, neither of them lose, but they don't advance either. You just re-scramble the bracket and put them back in with somebody else, let them go at it. 
that 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 is a good idea. But the I, only thing is the tournament would take all day. Logistically, yeah. But here's the thing: what you said about about beginners. I'll use beginners because because if you're doing nogi, there's no there's no belting. Well, in Ten Planet there is, but if you go to a tournament, like if you sign up, they say beginner under one year experience, right. intermediate one to, one to three, whatever it is. So in the beginners bracket, or if you're doing gi in the white belt bracket, then you you could have time limits for those divisions because yeah, they only know arm bars, they only know triangles. They only know like four or five submissions and there's a lot of restrictions on what you can do. You can't do heel hooks. You can't do this. can't do that. Um, but then when you get to the advanced level anyway, and this goes back to what we were saying about people who stick to something until they get really good and people who quit, there's always less people. With, with, every time you go up a skill level, there's less, less and less and people less in each bracket yeah, because everybody wants to start out in training because they watched a UFC fight or something <laughs> and they go, Oh, I want to go learn jujitsu. Yeah. And then they get choked they out a couple of times and they never come back or they, you know, they bought a t-shirt, whatever it is. And then they never come back. And so what do they call it? They call it blue belt itis. Once people, a lot of people, once they get their blue belt, they stop training. They stop. They that's it. They're accomplished. Yeah, now. They feel like they're yeah. a belted grappler now. And that's it. I mean, at least at a blue belt, you can handle yourself in a real life situation against somebody who doesn't have training right against somebody who doesn't have training. Probably. Not. No, you at least have the confidence, yeah. <laughs> <to go into laughs> which which could get you in trouble. But that could do more harm than good. Yeah. <laughs> what if in some of these tournaments, though, they started adding some sort of mental capacity activities? You guys fared out. You didn't. Well, like you got to solve a Sudoku yeah. and then choke get, each other. Get this. If there's a tie, who, who solves this Rubik's cube <laughs> quicker? You have three minutes. Go. <laughs> or, or some sort of difference. Now you're you, now you're trying to get the so, full. So what is. I like is uh like the Abu Dhabi rules. Um, they do like I think it's ten minute, ten minute rounds. The first ten minutes is um submissions only, and after those, if nobody wins, then they do like a shorter round that's points. Mm. And that makes sense too. Yeah, kinda. I feel like that's how it should be in MMA, kind of like back in the day in Pride. The first round was like around ten minutes or something like that, and then the second. Yeah, round yeah, I like that. I feel that's more like of that. a real fight. Oh yeah, yeah, because how many times you see fighters go one way or another where the guy's about to finish the fight and then right. the round ends and they've got to break up the submission or they've got to they've got to pull the guy off him even though he already cracked him but there's only three seconds left but right. if he had another five seconds it'd be over or this we've guy seen twice, that in so his, many his fights. last two tournaments i mean he's rolling off the mat about to freaking submit this dude and they pick up they two they refs are literally picking him up and putting him back in the middle of the ring. Oh, but man. it's just not the same. Your momentum, your movement. It's not the same. No. Somebody already caught they drag up us. to you. They yeah, which shifts and angles shifts. and even the slightest angle, and even it if it's only five degrees. And then if you're the things. guy in the, which, I mean, I don't judge, but the other guy, both of the times you get reset and then you're kind of like, right. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're winning your <laughs> and, and then your awareness. You, you, wiggle, you wiggle your way out. And then it. you're like, Hey, hold on. No, yeah, I, I, I had you. I had that. Uh -huh. He's like, Oh, no, no, you didn't. Yes, and then it's yeah. like, and people right away are like, Oh, it's not like, ah, bro, come on. It's like, No, dude, I had that. For yeah, position. yeah, both times. I, I, I mean, that. I was there personally for one of them, and the other one, I'm watching it attentively. On my phone the screen. And I'm like, No way, but that's that's part of the game, like you're saying. That is right? part of the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is a sport, it's not a, it's not a death match. It's, it's, and so you have to have some rules. And you have to have rules that allow for somebody to be victorious. Yes. And that that's and, the most but I think way, it, but, but I think it's getting better. Not biased, but in the most uh, I guess perfect way, but you can't reach it's there's I always gonna be error and criteria. Well what I hated when I started doing tournaments as a, as in the beginner bracket is that the matches were three minutes 
with points and if you go up against a good wrestler which i never wrestled so like i only know what whatever wrestling i know was from training mma and so if i go up against the guy who wrestled all through high school or college they're gonna take me down yeah. and they're gonna and run for two minutes or i've not run, lost prevent it and then at the end boom i've lost so many matches two and oh because they scored a double leg in the first 20 seconds and then nothing happened and it's really annoying and then if i had a little bit more time to work I could have maybe swept them or submitted them, or maybe they would have even passed and scored more points. I don't know, but I would like more than three minutes to work. I think that's a really short round, but even, even, even in MMA as an amateur, you're fighting three minute rounds, three, three minute rounds, and which is sometimes could be considered a harder race or harder fight because it's more of a sprint. Yeah. You, you know? can keep, you can put and on a much minutes, higher pace. You're kind of flowing and feeling yourself a little bit more and it's not as, Fast There's pace. more action in those shorter rounds for sure because you're coming out swinging. You don't have time have to, to feel each other out. Yeah, yeah. If you lose a round because the guy scored a couple of leg kicks and you're trying to feel him out, you only have two more rounds to, to try to to try to fix you it. You have to win those other two rounds. Yeah, you're it. you're in deep trouble. And if we're trying to relate it to like real life, right? If you've ever been in a fight, you're not going. Oh, hold on, man. I think I got a couple more times. Let me my let me get my yeah. arm. Yeah, you're just going right. Yeah, and and that's. That's the thing. Like, what are you looking for? As a spectator, you're looking for action. You want people to go out there and and entertain you, right? Because you've been in those situations in the past and you're like, oh yeah, dude, gets your blood flowing. And I mean, after your your fights, like we always talk about like, oh, what fight? Remember when I was in high school or like those kinds of things. And so when you're looking for that, yeah, you want the three minute rounds. You want people to come out swinging, just plow each other down and go for it. But when you're trying to get the perspective of a, hey, it's jujitsu, it's a martial art, like, there's a lot of skill that comes with it. I want to enjoy the skill that comes yeah. with it. Like, let him, let me watch this guy set up the submission. Let me watch this guy approach something and move through it. And then, like, then the chess match, chess match is what you're looking for. That's kind of interesting, right? Like, yeah, what do like you want out of it? It's a different group of people. Yeah. Well, the masses is the people that want the action and the knockouts. And so, so <laughs> yeah. Shorter rounds are, do have to be a little bit. Better. Yeah. Hmm. What'd you say earlier? Dog eats dog. It's a dog eat dog world. There's a there's a I think there's a better version of that in Arabic. Okay. It says in Lam Takun Akalatka Dhiab. If you're not going to be a wolf, you'll be eaten by wolves. Okay. Same thing. But wolf <laughs> is, is better than dog. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean a dog is just a, a cute more wolf. ancient dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he has some experience. Yeah. Definitely. Hey, let me ask you this, uh, Santi. Uh, a friend of mine who's a physical therapist who's also in the jujitsu circles told me that over 90% of the injuries he treats are muscular in nature. But I think with you, since you have a, 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 a focus in your practice, most of your injuries are that, that you treat are from strokes or accidents. Um, yeah. The interesting part of that, um, I've always enjoyed the ortho com component to it, right? Like uh, the, the musculoskeletal component to it. And when, I mean, if you had a stroke or if you had a brain injury, um, you go in there and I'm going, oh, his brain injury. Let's figure out those kinds of things. But you also had a shoulder injury from grappling. You also had some knee stuff. You also had all these other things that were going on. And yeah, the first you know, priority is how do we retrain your brain to start doing more stuff? But most everyone has orthopedic injuries. Most everyone has oh, musculoskeletal yeah. stuff that For has sure. been going on. Oh, they had back pain. They had poor Everybody posture. has back pain. They've had all these other things, right? And those don't come out until you slow down to figure them out or something like that. And that's why I really enjoyed the neuro world because I got to treat both, right? 
Like I still, okay. a, a good neurotherapist will be able to treat those orthopedic things. On the ortho side, you just treat the ortho most of the time. You just treat the ortho things and you don't have an underlying neuro component, some cognition, some um, degenerative something going on, right? Like MS and stuff like that. You're just treating the ortho stuff, which can be very rewarding. Now, are all PTs trained in the neuro sector or is that something that you you did extra coursework or specialized in? Um, the answer to that is both, I guess. When you come out of school, you learn all the things. You literally go through and have classes on pediatrics. You have classes on uh, orthopedic, uh, neuro, like all the main things. And you come out of PT school going, okay, what do, what do I want to do? I could do all of them, right, per se. Then you start getting experience and, okay. and start specializing. And there's you figure out what you like. More. Yeah. There's your specialty big, wasn't chosen in, during school. Yeah, it was not. Um, the cool part about that is that you, you get a, a good rounded base yeah. and then you can kind of specialize, which sometimes is a conversation to be had. What's who's better, a generalist that knows all the things or a specialist, right? Well, that that's kind of what I'm wondering is like, if you go, like when you look at doctors, MDs, they all go through the same medical school, but then you do residency in your specialty. So I'm wondering if you did PT school and then there was like an extra course for neurotherapy right? Yeah, yeah. There, or, or you just took it upon yourself to really, to, to zoom in on this one area. Yeah. On the, on the physical therapy side of it, we're not as developed as like uh, on the medical side um, where they do have to specialize and some people can come out just knowing the kidney or just wanting to specialize in the kidney. And for so long, they've only treated those things that when you go to them and say, hey, but some other things are going on, they're like, okay, let me refer you to somebody who knows that. For me, it was the job opportunity I had was in the neuro, you know, on the okay. neuro side. And I just wanted to do that. Okay. I, I, I enjoyed that and I wanted to stick to it. And then from there, um, I did some extra coursework and then I applied and, and sat down for a, a specialty test. Um, and that's how I got my NCS, right? Like neuro oh, okay. certification. But, you know, you have to have seen it. You have to have the, the hours and, and everything to be able to specialize or even sit for the test. But what I enjoy is the place that I work at has both. They have orthopedic, they have some hand stuff, they have occupational therapists, they have speech therapists. We're all working together. And sometimes I get some ortho patients and I keep them because I'm like, man, this is cool. I, I remember enjoying this. I oh, keep them. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, can I treat your knee? Yeah, heck yeah. yeah. You, you want to do stuff? And then they're doing more things. I don't have to worry a lot of the other cognitive stuff or my family didn't help me do these things. They're like, oh yeah, I did your exercise and I feel better. I'm like, you did them? That's awesome. Yeah. Let's do this, right? <laughs> and it's pretty cool because it it kind of breaks up the monotony of, of just doing the same thing. And they're the ortho stuff because uh, they are they're, mentally. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's a, there's a different sense of difficulty. I don't want to say orthopedic therapists are, are doing easy stuff, but they can handle more patients. Like their case Well, I think if you're about. working with athletes, it's definitely easier than there's working a, with it with a general population. Well, there's there is a there is some difficulty with that, right? Like sometimes you you're dealing with a big huge ego, right? And you're trying to teach this guy who or girl who who has done something for so long and they think they're they know more about it, right? And they and if you don't if you're not able to do the drills, if you're not able to do the strengthening, like you don't get under a weight rack and just start throwing some squats yeah. like at their weight they're going to go, what are you going to know? Right. Mm. But you have to, at least, I always say you have to at least do three reps of whatever you're telling somebody to do <laughs> three good reps. If, if you can't do the full set, it doesn't matter. You just did three reps and you go, you got it. 
okay, go. Right. Because there's a credibility, like within all of this, people are looking up to you and saying, who is this guy? Why, why, why should I learn from you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And the same in, what in do you grappling think, and all that. What do you think about uh, one of my friends, um, jujitsu friends, uh, he used to fight MMA. He said that um, from his brain injuries from just fighting MMA, that he what helped him um, recover the best was doing shrooms and reading a lot. Do you think that's real or true in a sense that you make like I've heard I don't even remember like the credibility behind this is that uh, shrooms help you make like other neuro neurogenesis neuro connections that weren't there before or that were broken and you make new ones. Yeah, and I haven't seen the research specifically, but I know that there there is there is a lot more research being poured into people doing not just hallucinogenics um, but like lse and stuff like that because those trips do become a very powerful sense of of the person's new well-being right and so they're approaching life afterwards very differently they had this great experience or they a really bad experience that helped them say hey i need to behaviorally do something different so the focus that maybe he's giving himself has been on himself and on reading on getting smarter on doing more things and seeing where maybe his gaps are and maybe it did help him. I, I, if, if it, so maybe it wasn't like physically, like in his brain, his brain healed to the sense. I don't know enough about that. Yeah. Behaviorally he's and, and his approach. different perspective. Yeah. His, his approach. approach and, and his, he's giving himself time to heal too, right? Like intentionally That's giving his. himself time to heal and do something for himself. And, Maybe while he's reading, he's drinking more water and he's eating better, <laughs> right? Maybe while he's reading, he's um, asking more questions and not being careless or taking other risks. I don't know. Well, one thing that we were talking about before the podcast is the lion's mane mushroom. Yes. And I've watched videos with Paul Stamets talking about that. He's really big on the lion's mane mushroom. Do you, do you buy it? Is that the brand that you use, Host Defense? I don't remember what brand. I just okay. got on Amazon. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, he's the mushroom expert, right? And um He's talking about that that's a mushroom that's non-psychedelic that contributes to neurogenesis. And I pulled up a picture of it. I think I can figure out how to display it here for the viewers. Let me see. Let yeah, me I was that. doing Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain has some sort of mushrooms in there too. I don't even know. Nope, that's getting... not working. Does Alpha Brain have a mushroom? It has some sort of mushrooms in it, right? Do you know if it has lion's mane? Anyway, I don't know if it has lion's mane, but, but I, took I was trying, I I was trying really... to put a picture of it here. I didn't know how to do it. I'll figure it out. I thought I had this, but I don't. <laughs> um, I took off a brain and um, I don't know. I wanted to say that I was feeling. Wait, I got this. Smarter or better. Or... I want to show people the lion's mane mushroom because it's beautiful. There we go. That's it. Yeah, that's a good looking mushroom, dude. You ever look up a picture of it? Oh, no, let me see. Well, you have to come around. <laughs> I can't move this thing. Get over here. Get over here. I want to see this. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Oh, dang. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it looks like a lion's mane. Wow. Right? Or what Khabib wears on the show. <laughs> yeah, that looks like <laughs> Khabib's wig. <laughs> That's true. No, I, honestly, you're you're kind of bringing up a topic that is, is very uh, strong as well. It's like we take some of these things, right? And they're not unhealthy, right? We take some of vitamins and we take these kinds of things. But as soon as you take one, you go, oh, yeah. I think it's filmed. Yeah, the placebo. Effect, and that right? placebo placebo is huge. Works in my practice, right? Like as as a physical therapist, if I tell somebody, "Hey, these lunges are gonna freaking heal your knee," yeah, and they go do them because I told them to, and they think that I'm 
uh, you know, apt to be able to tell them that stuff, it does get better. Yeah. They have to believe in it. And so that's kind of cool. Which right? makes you wonder so much about medicine. It really makes you wonder when a doctor gives you something that's supposed to make you feel better. You're like, what is this? It's a big responsibility, dude, too, yeah. right? Like some of these doctors that go, you know, to small communities that are not developed and they say, hey, put this on. And they're, they're so in faith that that's going to help them. Yeah. And sometimes it does. And that's freaking awesome that the brain can do that to somebody. Well, they say that the placebo effect works 50% of the time. Is that right? 50% of the time, all the time. <laughs> oh, no, Where's the research? Right? I don't know. I, that's the last thing I heard. This is definitely not not solid information, but I, I feel like I heard somebody talk about that. I don't. I feel like the placebo effect doesn't really work too much on me because I'm always questioning everything. But some, I took the alpha brain and I was. What like, if you're grappling with somebody? And you're like, I can choke this guy. I can choke this guy. I don't think that's a placebo. Effect. Like that's a, confidence. Optimism. <laughs> and stuff, and that works too. You know, maybe it has something to do with it. What you believe. Yeah, no, there, it sets you up to for the medicine to work a little bit better or for your situation to unfold like you wanted it to, right? Like that's, I think there's a big component to just being aware of it and sending that out and just saying, hey, I'm going to do this. That intention behind it is, is pretty powerful. I think. Yeah. And that goes with, it's like energy and vibes, right? That you, you're being optimistic. So you're sending out a positive vibe and you attract that too. So things start to work. I don't know if people attract positive vibes when they put out positive vibes, or it's just that if you're a dick, nobody's going to be around you anyway. Well, that that's what it is. If you're negative, no one wants to be around a negative vibe. Yeah, uh, except other negative people. Yeah, I guess it does go hand in hand. Yeah, because then every everybody just sits around and then everybody's all negative together, and they they, and they keep, love it. They love it. Yeah, they love, <laughs> they love it. it. Misery love loves it. company. Yeah. <laughs> They, yeah, they like that. And I feel like a lot of times people don't notice it. And I I notice it so much, even in just like basic conversations, like the first thing that people start pointing out is like, oh yeah, like just like the negative but, thing. It's like, but, but. it's like, yeah, you're right. But like, why are we going down that road? Let's go about the, right, the positive right, right, side right, right. of things. Yeah, I, I have a take on positive and negative. Well, when it comes to optimism and pessimism, you know how people always talk about they, they tell you, like, people always try to associate some sort of positive quality with anything that you mention, right? Like, if you say, well, it's yin-yang. Everything has a positive end in it. Okay, well, prove well, me wrong. well hold on. We'll get there. Let, <laughs> this yeah, is just like our conversations thought. on Facebook. Remember <laughs> <laughs> one time, you know how Facebook does that, uh, where they tell you you've been friends with so-and-so for oh. X amount of years? One time, Quito shares that uh, about me. And it says we've been friends for eight years, and he comments on what a long eight years it's been. <laughs> like, yeah, longest eight years of my life. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So all in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's all there's the classical example of of the is the glass half empty or half full, right? And people tell you if you see the glass half full, then you're a, you're an optimist, and if you see it half empty, you're a pessimist. And so, but I, I never really, that explanation never really sat well with me. And then I was listening to this one guy this talk about it one time, give his take on the glass analysis. And he goes, well, if you're pouring water or any liquid into the glass and you fill it halfway, then it's half full. But if you're drinking out of the glass and you deplete it to the, to the, to the mid level, then it's half empty. 
I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. At least he's he's putting a different spin on it. He's not saying that that's just you know, it's it's perspective. not perspective. Yeah, yeah. There, there's more Where of a perspective involved in that. You're one. the one pouring. Here's the way I look at it. The glass is neither half empty nor half full. It's just as it is at half of its capacity. So I like to see things as they are. So when somebody tells me, oh, I just got a job interview with this company that I've been applying for for five months. And people go, oh my God, that's awesome, isn't it? And me, I go, okay, cool. Like, we'll see, we'll see how, how that turns out. Because this might end up being the greatest thing that's ever happened to you or it might end up being a disaster. If anything that people say, right? You just don't know how it's going to affect you until it does. Right. And so I just try to avoid putting, putting self-generated optimism or pessimism into something when, before you know how it's going to affect yeah. you. You know, I, I, I can relate to that. And I, my mom is an amazing person who's very much loves things, right? She goes to a beach. It was the most amazing, most beautiful, most precious beach. And yeah. I'm like, You've gone to a lot of beaches. It was like Galveston Beach. <laughs> I'm like, you, you travel a lot. And <laughs> After a cool. hurricane. I'm like, what, how do you compare that, right? Like, what? So then where does the other one stand? Because you want to understand where where things rank, right? You can't just say everything's the most beautiful. Ah, thing. that's a good the point. Absolute. That's I always, I drive my family crazy with that, especially my mom and my grandmother. Because to me, a superlative is something that should be reserved for wait, that one thing that's it. the absolute best. So every time, every day you have lunch, if you're having a different meal every day, you can say, oh, this is the best thing ever. Oh, th this, this food is the best ever. That coffee is the best ever. Every time you have a cup of coffee, this is the best ever. Well, it can't be where, always where the best. Stand? Yeah. You it's have to best in that moment. You know, that could be a, pro yeah, sure. That could be a possibility. But at the so. same time, you could, <laughs> I think, <laughs> you, I think you don't remember every time you've drank coffee in your life. I mean, just in that moment in time, this was the best coffee I could have had at this moment in time at this place in time. But so. you haven't had every other cup of coffee on earth. Exactly. And you can say, mean, you hey, it. I'm really enjoying the heck out of this coffee. The coffee you made us today, man. Thank you. You're this welcome. was amazing. I want to take a picture of the <laughs> was brand. It the best I just wanted to get you guys wired for the show. <laughs> at the same time, like I really enjoyed the coffee because I enjoy coffee. But I can also say in this moment, that was cool that you made it for us. That experience was really yeah. unique for me. And I really enjoyed it a lot because of it, but I don't know if it's the best coffee Ooh. I've ever had. Ooh. Damn, dude. <laughs> that was the best coffee I ever had. Dude. You put three freaking you put the, like, uh, ounces uh, of honey in it. Yeah, I've <laughs> never seen anyone put honey, honey in Turkish coffee. <laughs> it was the That's, best honey, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shout out to Mr. Dave Morgan in Arizona. He gave me that, that honey. honey. He started a hive best. about a year ago. The best honey yeah. ever, Mr. It's Dave. really good. Yeah, well, so what you had so that people know was Turkish coffee with ground cardamom, and it. I like I like what's ground cardamom? It's cardamom is a spice. They're like little green things, and so they they there's Turkish coffee is generally either just the coffee or with ground cardamom. Oh, it's already like it has, yeah, it's already mixed in there. Yeah, yeah. it had yeah. a really really good finish. Yeah, it's a cool taste, man. Yeah, yeah it's gangster coffee. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So um, what I. I like to say is like, I guess it's like my mar my martial arts perspective, the yin yang. Everything has a positive and negative side. And I like to relate to it a lot too is uh, I didn't finish college, but I did three years of civil engineering. And uh, so I took a lot of physics and stuff. And 
to every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, yep. you know, and everything's always balanced out on both sides of the equal signs pretty much, you mm-hmm. know, and that has a lot to do with the union. Well, that's so. if you know how to balance an equation. Right. right. Yeah. But, <laughs> and that's going to be No, I'm just messing with you. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So, um, an analogy that I like to use and um, that's the simplest for jujitsu is um, people that have long legs. Um, it's easier for them to cl- to get a triangle and close the triangle, but that triangle is never going to be, it's not going to be very tight. And for, like Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen. Yes. That triangle was pretty open. Right. And that, I think that's a different way because Chael Sonnen defended it incorrectly and he didn't even have, uh, Anderson Silva didn't even have that great angle. So yeah. uh, anyways, he didn't have so, the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, um, and for a short person, the triangle is a lot harder to get, you know, and obtain. But once they close that triangle, that triangle is very it's tight. super tight. So it all balances out. Yep. People that are taller um, struggle to take, to get underneath and take shots because they're taller than the shorter person, right? Yep. But once they get underneath it, they have longer legs or they have more reach to be able to get underneath. So everything, like I said, everything just starts balancing. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of jujitsu is the problem solving. You don't just learn a move. You learn how a move works. If you really want to be good, you don't learn like, okay, this is the whatever sweep. I don't even know what anything's called in jujitsu because to me, all sweeps are the same thing. It's, it's the same mechanics that I apply to every different situation. It's just a matter of figuring out how to apply it to this particular situation. And so base, what a sweep is, you know, removing the base from one side, you trap one side, you elevate the opposite side. That's what a sweep is. All sweeps work off of that principle. And when you understand that you go, okay, it's all right that I don't have an overhook because I have a monkey grip on your elbow. I can still pull the arm or I could raise at the armpit or I can trap the wrist behind my head and, and whatever you, if you know, if you understand the move, you can apply it everywhere. Right. And And the approach to me, like when I see jujitsu, I practice it for very, very little time just with my brother, but then have learned to enjoy watching it because there's, there's a perspective, there's a problem solving, but at the same time, you have to give up on that right away when things don't work you have to and know when people, to let go yes when people you see the white belts or the younger belts like they're they're going for a specific submission and they won't stop yes. until they get it and they keep getting in trouble and that person's like <laughs> countering and moving well and that's that's and they're still there that's when they get killed with the von flu choke exactly <laughs> i was talking about that with justin uh, last saturday he was he was here justin gonzalez and we talked about the first thing the first lesson that anybody has in jujitsu as far as that has to do with when to let go is when they grab a guillotine and the person, the, the opponent passes to the opposite side, but they don't let go of it. And then they put themselves in a Von Flucho, which is so easy and highly effective. And, but that's a regular guillotine. Uh, there's another type of guillotine now that um, you S-grip and you bring that elbow up on top. And even it, and oh, yeah, yeah, pass, that's nasty. And when they pass, it actually makes the guillotine worse. Hmm. So that just stumped your principle. And I've put, I've been put to sleep like four times. I can because tell. <laughs> 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 Not knocked out, put to sleep. Um, be, because of basing my uh, decisions off of that principle uh, of I was getting kind of guillotine passing. And I'm like, okay, well now when you pass, you're pretty much out of the guillotine and that actually made it worse and i was feeling oh, really? starting to go out and i'm like no i'm not gonna go out. i'm gonna keep problem solving and getting out and then- 
<laughs> I know. I was like getting woken up Let it go, man. from an amazing dream. <laughs> Let it go. No, and that's the cool part to watch people when they start getting better. And I've had the, a really cool experience because I've been able to watch my brother get better from like him being a white belt, just trying to run around. Yeah. And to him, like making decisions to him, like leading the fight where I go, oh, dang, this thing has grown to, to become a, a very cool style. Yeah. But one of the biggest things that I saw him do was that he learned to just not be committed to just one thing definitely and he started moving and moving and just switching and then when he lost or when he won he was like oh cool. i next? always have talks with myself in those moments where i'm trying to finish a submission because part of me is thinking if i insist a little bit longer i'll get it and then part of me is wondering am, am i, I am i being too insistent and possibly compromising my ability to actually continue fighting right. because i'm squeezing way too hard for way too long on this choke and i'm going to lose my grip and that's always the so first thing to go when you get a when you get deep in a in a anaconda or or a darce. And I get a I hit a lot of darces because I got long arms. And I there's always that moment of like, geez, if I if he doesn't tap out, am I gonna be able to fight after this? Yeah. And but but you know, you just never know if if your grip is gonna give out first or the guy's neck is well, gonna give out first. That's when you where you have to be visualizing uh like the physics, the body mechanics of is your choke really where it's supposed to be on the neck? And what's beautiful about jujitsu is that you could have all the Bro, confidence. I'm a savage. I just squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the Middle East, son. I was I used to carry goats when I was a kid and run around, yeah, run like around the village. Goats, oh, yeah. I'd have one on each arm and just run around the village with my goats. The, the Bobby and Larry with with jujitsu it's like <laughs> there's these there's these submissions that are kind of like glamorous right and people want to like oh i want to get them in the oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah jesus yeah, christ yeah. told <laughs> and then you're like wow you got him into jesus christ bro. <laughs> yeah dude i and think it's called the crucifix yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just a position yeah. Yeah. you know what i'm talking about people you you're like oh shoot. I'm, I'm about <laughs> to fall man. into it i'm about to fall should I keep going? And then you like miss out on two other and then, things and because just, you want to get that glamour. This is where uh, I've learned um, it's a martial art at the end. So it's hence on the word art. It's an expression of yourself. So it ends up showing what type of person you are. Are you the person that like you're going for the top? You're going for that submission or you just want to win? Boom. You're, you're okay with getting that subtle submission, like just basic, you know, yeah, that's bar, interesting. or you're the one that wants to go for that. Boom. And it's just. Or enjoy the is, art in between, right? Like creating. The process of it, right? Yeah. So it, it's, cool. it's, it goes to be yourself, you know, and I, that's how I, I like to teach my students. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what to do at each moment. Yeah. At, yeah, this person, you have to do this and we're all going to, because you can do that. And all your students end up being like replicas of who you are. Yeah. But And that's a terrible coach. That's a terrible Here's, coach. You just remind me of a Bruce Lee quote. I never teach my students. I only provide an environment in which they can learn. Ah, nice. Yes. And that those good are good coaches, man. I, I try to teach them uh, to be the better version of themselves. You know, I teach what, from my experiences, what I've learned, what I've done, what I decide. And I, I always focus on telling them that this is what I would do. This is, and even when I'm cornering, I'm like, go for, I'm not saying go for this, go for that, do this. I'm like, Hey, well, there's that armbar or there's that Kamara or watch out for that, this, or watch out for that. I'm mostly saying what to watch out for or what that other person is going to go for or doing for, but let them kind of decide for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm giving them options. And it, you know, uh, one thing, uh, when I took Kyle Terra seminar back in San Diego once, who Kyle Terra. Oh, never heard of him. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, he's one of the best of all time, man. I'll check him out. <laughs> yeah, he's a lightweight too. He's he's like Mario size, you know, maybe maybe a little bit taller, but like you know, he's like built like Mario, and he's Lopez. he's like a one twenty five, one thirty five dude, dude, and he's he does absolutes and shit, or he would do absolutes. You know, Mario lives like three minutes from here. Really? Yeah, but that that he's been, been he's been in self quarantine for like two years now since now. since 2018. <laughs> Ever since <laughs> he, he, knew, <laughs> he read the Corona calendar thing, he, he, thought, <laughs> he read the Lysol can and it said Corona on yeah. there, and he, he knew it was coming. I think he watched an Alex Jones video one time. <laughs> he just decided guy, to stay man. home. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that Kyle Tara said was. Um, there's no bad decisions in jujitsu. There's just good and better. Mm. And that resonated with me. I don't me know about a lot. that. I mean, try it out. I mean, I've been doing it. And the, whatever decision you decide to make, there is a possibility that that could work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For your perspective, you know, on certain things that you're like, that was a bad decision is, yeah, because now you saw the outcome. You ever seen the movie Red Belt? No. Dude, that's a great movie. That's a really good movie. Arts. Well, yeah, it's about martial arts. Okay. <laughs> what do you think uh actually jujitsu it's, it's and the, the main the main coach the main character there's there's parts of the movie where he's telling his students insist on the move insist on the move and that's what i like i hear his voice in my head when i'm trying to finish the submission and i'm like oh maybe i should let go and then i hear the guy from red belt i don't remember his name insist on the too. move and i'm like, all right and a lot of times man i end up finishing the submission because i'm like yeah i need to insist a little bit more yeah, that's that's the constant battle. It's right? tricky. It's tricky. Think when when do not. you when do you let go? Uh, but when it comes to going for a submission, like when you already have it locked in, is one thing. But when it comes to going for a submission, my rule on that is you never give up position for submission. Position is always superior, right. unless there's only a few a little bit of time left in the round and you're losing on points. But see, if you're in mount and there's an armbar, you're gonna give up that position to go for that submission. Uh, yeah, that's or you're giving I, the, the possibility of them coming on top well so you there without risk there's no reward man you have to risk it a lot of times there's there are a very good positions where you could go for a submission and if you get it great you win if you don't get it you're still in the same position those are where yes. you should want yes, to be yes. good at but there are a lot of submissions where you have to risk it you know and yeah it's okay. you know for the most part i don't even go for arm bars for mount anymore i mean i rarely play mount it just I've, I've never practiced it much. I'm better at side control and knee on belly. Me too. But if I but if see, I can get expression of yourself, you're more of a I guess conservative, and you don't like the risk as much. And some people do like it more, and that works for them. You just have to believe in that. How much if you're going for it and risking, but you're kind of like, let's see if this works. It's probably not going to work. But if you're going for it because you know you're going to get that shit, and you've drilled it a hundred times on the mat, you're most likely going to get it. Yeah, and, it's and it's exact and it's <laughs> uncommon for people to go for it so the chances of them knowing the defense for it or having the experience of people going for it are very low so you're at an advantage yeah, because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. constantly going for it at practice and they're at a disadvantage because the situation doesn't happen often for yeah them. well that's like when the twister first came exactly. on the scene like you're a 10 planet black belt and so you know more about the, you know, as much about the twister That's as anybody. That's the submission that my brother was talking about that I almost had twice. In these, these yeah. Past fight two wins. Um, I almost had the, the, the twister twice. I got to the truck position and it was funny. We roll, I rolled in, rolled into it, got to the truck and almost fell off the mat in the exact same area that it happened the second match. 
the exact same thing. And they had to stop us and reset us and drag and drag us the exact <laughs> same place on the mat, on the same stage, different city, but by the, same by stage corner. right by my corner, right by where you walk onto the platform. And it's funny, you know, but I had it, you know, and I do it often that in some people may advise not to be doing that because you're risking your bag getting taken. You're risking the top position because I was on top both times. What if they had the grappling tournaments on that stage, like the one in right. blood sport? I and if like you guys fall off the stage, you both die. Oh, blood sport. <laughs> you both die. Not, not literally, but you're, <laughs> you both lose. How cool, how cool would it be? Or you if have it 20 was like seconds a... to get back on, like WWE or something. Like, <laughs> so yeah, something like that. <laughs> or, or the stage isn't flat because you never know, man. It can not be flat. Like there's mounts, features, yeah. and stuff. But there's, there, it's kind of like a skating rink, right? Like the, they have those in karate like tournaments. More, more mm. up, and you it, you can't roll up over, and you just kind of fall back into the middle. They of the had, oh yeah, yeah, I don't know if they saw. The, I think it was like the Chuck Norris series or something like that, and it was a, a circular um, ring with mats, and then there was like a a, air, a sloped yeah, um, yeah, yeah. mat area, oh, and guy the karate guys would even like stand up on it. it to push off. I don't know how that would work in jujitsu. That'd be pretty crazy. You just couldn't go roll off. I say we just get creative. I th I feel like uh the cage is. I want to have a jujitsu match in a swimming pool. With water, water? Or no water? Yeah, with water. We've actually done. Uh, I remember a few years back uh, when Andy Andy Varela was still in town. And we would actually <laughs> do that. We started doing that. We would go swimming to recover because it was like the water was cold and it was like felt good for the body. And we'd actually do like movements and stuff underwater. But we all we started messing around and we were trying to practice. See, the game was to who would submerge who underwater. First. <laughs> no wonder so, you've been to sleep four times. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a wrestling match because you're pummeling uh, and you're geez. fighting to keep your head up too, and you don't want them to get control, and then you would end up submerging. Did the you guys fall? Yes, I could. Okay. The water was up to here. Okay. So okay. It was pretty okay, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, like knee level. No, maybe maybe, maybe waist level. A little bit higher above waist. Well, waist because level for you would be knee level for me. <laughs> <laughs> that, you said that. <laughs> up, <bro. laughs> awesome. Hey, let me ask you this. Well, two two things really, because one one will will lead to the other. You were talking about teaching at the school and all that. How has that been going for you the last seven months? Did you have to close for a while? And how's that close. going now? And you're you're one of those people that likes conspiracy theories, right? So <laughs> does this have to do with, with Kobe Bryant dying? <laughs> Get, getting, getting murdered? <laughs> oh, yeah, he got murdered. Yeah. Wait, I, I, is there a conspiracy about that? I don't think Yeah, so. that he was he was trying to expose. He had filed a lawsuit against, I don't uh, Oh, shit. This is all new to me. I don't remember against who. I'll, I'll try to look it up right now. You know, but I was I, about I, to bring up a Kobe reference when we were talking about um, like somebody doing something over and over again. And I think it's a conspiracy that you brought up Kobe without me even saying it. How'd you know? How did you know? Oh, I, I felt the cosmic vibe. Dang, dude, he's with us. He's <laughs> so tell, with me, us. tell me about this, Kobe. Kobe. Well, I, I, need, I need a second to look it up. All right, while um, you look it up, I'm going to bring this up. because Yeah, I think give, me, really give me your cool. view. Yeah. Um, there was, I, I, you know, getting the rabbit hole watching videos on, on Facebook and, and Kobe has been a big presence. And I'm like, man, this guy was nuts. He was just so relentless when it came to practicing, to doing things. And there is grown ass men who were very good at basketball who would literally watch him. They would watch him practice and go, God, this guy's amazing. And he would be an hour before a game and literally do the same move. Go off the key, fade away, throw. Go off the key, fade away, get in. Bucket, bucket, 
bucket, bucket. And the other team is watching him do that. They're like, oh, that's what he's going to do this today. He's going to do this, this game. And you know what he did? He still did it. He did the same exact thing he was doing in practice for an hour. They knew what he was about to do and they couldn't defend it. That's how good he was, dude. And to get to that level, you have to be that relentless to say, yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm about to do. Try to beat me. Right? Like there's this baseball player, an Astros pitcher who has, he was just fed up, dude, with all the like cheating scandal and all that kind of stuff. And you know what he started doing? Telling the players the pitch. He started going, boom, he'd throw a curveball, fastball. Like Damn, he was just really, that's like cranky, this season. Dude. Yeah. And he was just like, people talk shit that we're cheating. Here, I'll give you the things. And he, people couldn't hit him. Too. <gasps> Went for it. Bro. On January 26th, <laughs> sorry, I, did I cut you off? No, no, no. no I on. was all into this. On January 26th this year, Kobe Bryant tweeted, I have information that would lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. <gasps> oh, no. That's bullshit. Oh, shoot. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. You think somebody fabricated that tweet? Yeah, of course. I could probably fabricate a tweet. Hey, but that's pretty cool. I want to believe it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a lot. There's I can't really find anything that, that you know what. So I had to do with Clinton, something. dude. If he tweeted that, probably would you be surprised? I would not be surprised. And I, you know what I heard? Hillary Clinton like, is a very good helicopter mechanic. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. You, you believe what you want. Recently, on my uh, <laughs> Facebook memories, all my posts about Epstein didn't kill didn't kill himself. He didn't. We're coming up. I know he didn't. Yeah. And I'm resharing those, and yeah. I think we have forgot. Uh, the well, the, that's the thing, though, man. That's the problem. What if with COVID is just to cover up Epstein? Thing? It's a smoke screen to cover up Epstein. Thing <laughs> it's entirely possible. The, the thing is, people people have to move on with their lives, man. People got shit to do. They can't. They don't have the time to keep following conspiracies. But that's, that's the conspiracy fair, theory though. in and of itself is that they want to keep you going to these jobs and keep you dependent on your paychecks. And all this, all these things, so that you don't have time to sit there and actually investigate what's really going on, right? Or they just let time go by, and other things start coming up, and other things start coming up, and now we forget. In general, people forgot and about you were himself. You were into the the cloud seeding for a while, right? Not the cloud yes. seeding, but the chemtrails. The chemtrails, yeah. Cloud seeding is what they do to make it rain, that's a, but that's a chemtrail. Chemtrail is different. Why? How's that different? No, no, no. The cloud seeding is what they're doing in Abu Dhabi, where they make it rain. They, By they, doing what? they chemicals into uh, the vapor. I don't know what they do. That's chemtrails. But the the story was that they're doing this to control populations, right? So or there'd be these planes in El Paso in the morning, and you'd see these big clouds forming right. behind them, and people are like, "Oh, they're doing this so that to, to to make people impotent, so that we stop having babies." <sighs> and I always said, like, this is the dumbest conspiracy theory ever because who in El Paso hasn't had a baby? That's true. Maybe it's not for that. It's for something else. Just to dumb down the. You know the population. Get the flu, so you. Well, can, if you talk to, if you have a conversation with well, regular folk, you think that that's working. Or, or, <laughs> or, you know, maybe they're not doing it. For most that people, reason. they're doing most, it for other reasons, and it is affecting the population. But for people to be like, "There's no way that's true." It's like, dude, they already do that. Like they've been doing what that do forever. They've already been injecting chemicals into the sky for it to rain. That's a chemical yeah, trail but, in the sky by airplanes. So how is yeah, it but so that's that's in a place like Abu Dhabi where they go. You know what? They We're going to create an island in the shape of a palm tree, <laughs> and if crazy. they created an island, I then they might as well create a cloud. 
That's right. Nice. Next thing you know, they're going to have an uh, an island on a cloud. <laughs> like Mario. Dragon Ball Z shit. <laughs> no, Super Mario style, oh, bro. Super Mario. <laughs> well, the thing about in- putting stuff out in the air is that they, those people who are allegedly doing this, are going to inhale it as well. They don't have their own special supply of air. They they're, breathe the same air like as everybody else. walking around with masks now. Did you know that there are more molecules of air in a breath of air than there are breaths of air in, in, on Earth? So we're all breathing the same yeah, molecules. So it's like infinity. Well, I don't know if it's infinity, but we're all breathing the same air. Every, every time you take a breath, there are more molecules of air in that breath than there are able to like breaths a, of air if you were to if you were to quantify all of the air in the world like if everyone took a breath at the same time there'd still that. be air is what you're saying yeah 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 that makes sense i don't believe that it's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is a lot more space for us to breathe than we give ourselves for sure what do you mean like in jujitsu yeah, let's let's bring it back. <laughs> if you roll with me, no, no, bro, no, you're but not no. Have any space. <laughs> yeah, because you got short legs. The triangle's real tight. <laughs> That's what you were talking about a minute ago. There you go. <laughs> no, back. but as far as as far as your business, seriously, how how's how's it been? It was uh, it's great, man. Um, it was oh, it's very tough uh, mentally for me too. Uh, for those what was it like two to three months that we were closed. Um, and obviously, you know, our membership started going down, business started going down, you know, and, um, never judged anyone that wanted to cancel their membership and stuff. Right. I went through a lot like, uh, this last year and the year before that, um, business wise as well, uh, with old business partners and, um, <clears throat> coaches and stuff like that. I heard about that, that was very, very, uh, tough for me, man. Um, days after days of me not being able to sleep and just, you know, battling it out legally and, you know, socially and, you know, the 10 planet community and just, you know, fighting it out and getting through it. And then COVID came and it was just like, okay, I was like, okay, so what are we going to do? And it's just like, there's nothing you can do. You know what I'm saying? Like for all those other things, there were solutions to it, you know, and the, and the, that's something that I always teach everybody, you know, uh, there's a solution to every problem, you know, um, I teach my students, don't be over here seeking empathy of why me, why did they take my back? Oh, this sucks. This is horrible. Just focus on what the solution is going to be, and, you know, grind it out and get out, get out of it. And that's just a way of life. And it's a jujitsu way of life. And with COVID, there was nothing I could do about it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. So I, I was just so, I felt so inadequate and just like, I would go day after day that I was close, still go to the gym because that's what some, I would do every single day. And I would clean, organize, clean again, mop the mats. <laughs> Next day, mop the mats again. Even though nobody's grappling, you're just mopping the mats? Yeah, dude. I had to do something. Oh, that's, some, that's a really clean gym right there. It was clean for, uh, very, very clean for <laughs> those <laughs> couple of weeks yeah like april around april uh, and then uh it was actually it's actually pretty funny um uh, my brother called me one day and i was just there sitting on the bench like i had just gone there so i didn't even turn on the lights like what was i going to turn on the lights for you know I was just, like sitting there just chilling finding out figuring out what i was going to do and then he's like what are you doing and i'm like oh, i'm just here sitting at the gym and i called me facetime i'm like look just showing him the gym like all the lights He's like, dude, that's so sad, bro. Why are you doing that to yourself? And I'm like, well, I don't know what else to do, man. Like, what do I do? Like, I'm just, do you want me to sit at home? I'm, I prefer to sit here and right. I can start doing something. And um, he's like, well, 
do knock down that room that you always said you were going to do and uh, fix that wall and knock down this and do that. And then I'm like, he's like, you got to start doing something. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Fuck it. All right. So I started knocking down one of the rooms and then I knocked down another wall and I knocked down a huge wall. And then I, I was like, well, I got to get these mats out of the way. So I put them all against the wall and I, I just started doing so much demolition and stuff. And emotionally to me, I felt that I was being productive and I was letting out stress also at yeah. the same time and recreating them and yeah. yeah. And recreating and adapting and stuff. And it was creating like a good vibe for me. And also I started posting pictures and stuff and all my people were like, uh, oh. curious starting to be curious like what's going on and that took them out of their you know hole that they were in too yeah, like, what's going on to the gym and like what's that and like some people even just started showing up like hey what's going on because they wanted to help too and uh so they started helping me and then other people were like, what's going on let me see take more pictures and i'm like i would take like a random like a picture of like a corner and they're like oh like, what is that <laughs> bro come on take like a real picture i'm like nah 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 so you get so it made them you know look forward to when we were able to open again so that helped a lot and when once we were able to open again everyone just was happy to come back and that created a really good energy and everyone started coming back a lot of people you know still haven't come back just because you know they're scared and i don't judge them for that it makes a lot of sense you know um you're in like in this predicament of like keep going with your life or keep going with your life. And because of that, your grandma may die because of you. You know what I'm saying? Because you're hanging out with her and you gave her COVID and she's not going to be able to. That's why I gave her a, for, a fair warning. <laughs> no, I did. I, I gave my whole family a fair warning. When the gyms opened back up, I said, look guys, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to jujitsu. If you don't want me to come over, just let me know. Yeah. But, but if I, if you do invite me over for lunch or somebody's birthday, whatever it is, understand that I am going to the gym so that if they die, I won't have a guilty conscience. You probably still would have a guilty conscience though. Why? Because it's your fault. No, it's not. Once somebody makes their own decision, what happens because of that decision is, is completely on them, right? Talk about accountability. Because right. they can just tell me, don't come over. That's yeah. fine. And That's you're cool. already, you're already placed and said, you know, I'm, I'm making this decision. I'm not making it for you. You you tell me how you feel right, comfortable right. about it. They're all adults. And and plus there's no way to prove that they if if let's say a loved one died from COVID, there's no way to prove that they got it from me. Right. So you have that. Like I guess you True. maybe you do. They could have got it from the chemtrails. Maybe that's what <laughs> No, but I, I think it is, there's something to be said about that. It's like when people are making their own decisions to go to a store, to go do these mm -hmm. kinds of things, like just make sure you're not applying it to somebody else, right? Like, because there is, you know, people that are being very careful. There are people that, that have made a decision to choose to not do certain things. And when you go, oh, but I'm not doing that, but I still have to go do all this stuff. You're, you're forcing your decision onto them. Yeah, and yeah. that's not, not appropriate, yeah. right? And I think that's where we get in trouble is where in, when you start believing that the things that you're doing aren't going to affect other people, then then you can you go wild and do things that are incorrect and some people are trying their best and then you're imposing your decision on them but i think what you said is is good hey i'm going to do these things this is what makes me feel good this is what i think i need to do i'm preparing myself for that if not let's just face that's it just, just do give something people else. heads up yeah um yeah. it's harder i think because like for me like i i also have a duty and a something that i enjoy to serve the population that I work for, right? I, I work in this place. And if I make decisions that aren't appropriate 
to them, right? They still have to go to therapy. They're still wanting to get some sort of rehab. I I'm hope for them. That can be, I'm imposing my decision to go out or could go do something else upon them. Or I don't come here very often to El Paso. I need to see my grandparents. Like, I don't know if this is the last time I'll see them, right? Yeah. For some crazy reason. So I have to be able to make sure that all the decisions that I made before this are so that I have the ability to go see my grandparents that are at a huge risk. And, you know, when we go see them maybe this weekend, I'm going to be very, very cautious about how I do stuff because I came here today, right? And I don't know what you've done. Yeah, I went to the store. That's, I what, went all the, my that's what the same thing all, the, all my dates tell me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you started coming. Oh, <laughs> so I, I got to be careful because I don't know what you've done. Yeah. No, it's just but like it's chlamydia though. It's absolutely true. right. You and just, people you, look at it like that too. Like, hey, like you gotta let risk. you let them know. It's like, dude, it's not an STD, but you can tell people that you got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like, like, dude, like it's everyone's getting it. Like, hey, yeah. What's the risk? Is she hot enough for chlamydia or not? Right? <laughs> hey, they mess with your own mind. <laughs> oh, so it, it's crazy. Um, um, when we opened back up, um. A lot of people came back. A lot of people didn't, you know, for their own reasons and uh, didn't judge. And like, you know, I understood completely. And a lot of other new people, I was like, okay, so a lot of people are going to still come back. A lot of people aren't. But the new members, it's going to be very low. Like, people aren't going to be trying to sign up for jujitsu and so go do jiu sure. stuff. And it was completely the opposite, man. Oh, really? Um, a lot more people were just, boom. when we were closed, I had a lot of people constantly calling me, like on a daily. Hey, are you guys open? Like, oh, what are, the, what are your memberships inside? When can, I, can I go on Monday? I'm like, no, dude, oh, that's we're cool, in quarantine. Like, yeah. no, we're not open yet. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, where do you live? You know what I'm saying? And like, oh, man, okay, well. But, but I'm sure emotionally that was really good for you. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And when we opened up, everyone started coming up. We're almost, we're about to hit 200 members and, um, it's great, man. Like, I feel like our growth has not even been affected. Maybe it's been affected even in the positive way. Just people are trying to go be active and do stuff too. And I think that that's the mistake that um, the government officials or whatever are not covering. You know, they're just like, oh, well, there is no medicine for this or take this, take supplement this, you know, like, or they're not focusing on what you could supplement with or how to better your lives to be prepared for it. You know, I feel yeah. I'm at, and at some point there's with, nothing you can do. Yeah, like exactly. I'll tell you, uh, I feel like I'm at peace with, you know, my body may be in good shape enough to be able to possibly combat COVID when I get it, if I get it, which yeah. I feel like if all of us are probably eventually going to get it like the flu. You know? It's not going away. I think we've all had it already. I think everybody's. No, I got the. I thought the 90%. same thing. I got the antibody test and it came out. Everybody except Mario Lopez has already had COVID. Okay, <laughs> he knew. He's the he only knew. guy. If we would have got into hiding in 2018, <laughs> we'd have been fine. <laughs> no, but I, I think the the biggest thing that uh, I saw as a third party with my brother's gym was that he's created a, a culture around there, man. Um, and what it's not, it's more than just teaching jujitsu. He's created a space for people to say, hey, I want to be a part of this environment. Yeah. Um, and because it is a very positive environment and people do stuff because they they enjoy it and they they have some freedom to do it there at the gym. And more and more people see that it's not something you can advertise. It's hey, come in, come in for a class, drop in, see what see if you yeah, like it. Yeah. And you know what? If you don't like it, that's awesome. There's another gym around yeah. the corner. There's there's plenty of gyms. Go if find you a one bitch, you like. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So uh <laughs> 
other business uh, owners and gym owners advises against what I do. Um, I don't do any long-term contracts. And uh, I feel it's kind of like an open door policy kind of thing. And I, um, it's funny. I grew up, um, we had a dog and everyone's always about like, close the gate, the dog might leave. And like, oh, and like, don't let him out. He's going to run away. And those people, <laughs> you see people chasing their dog across the street because the dog is like, boom, I'm out of here. And you're trying to trap him and you're trying to get him and he's not letting himself. And with us, we always had our gate open and my dad was always around and our dog would never leave. And he, he would, he and when he leave. would leave, he left when everything was closed and locked down. Like he would yeah, want to go visit his little girl. He would jump the wall whatever. he would leave and then he'd come back. And we you know, tried everything to keep him in there and he wouldn't, but when the door was open, he wouldn't leave. Well, that's <laughs> quite a metaphor. Yeah. So I feel like I'm kind of like in a sense applying that um, with my uh, members, just because I feel like if people want to leave, they should leave. And, they should be allowed to go wherever gym they do want to be at, you know? And I also got that from, by the way, that's also how I am with my dates. <laughs> <laughs> you welcome that. I'm glad I'm teaching you this. Right? You're a 10th planet dater. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I would get people to come to our, that would come to our open mats and they would be from other gyms and they'd be like, God, I love it. And they'd be constantly coming and, I didn't even know they would be from other gyms. I'd be like, well, why don't you sign up, man? And like, oh, it's because I have, a, I'm on a contract at that other gym. And, ah, man, as soon as it's over, I'll come over and sign it. And inside, I'd be like, looking at it from another perspective, why would I want that person still at my gym if they don't want to be here? Yeah. You know? They're only bringing negative vibes oh, yeah, yeah. and a negative perspective. And they're probably, you know, over here like, nah, dude, that place is over there. Yeah, good point. And, and like, they're spreading like a, like a different vibe. And if they want to leave, like, Go ahead, man. You know, and, and I would I've run into people that have have been gone to other gyms too, and they're like, oh, they see me, and, and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? What are you doing? You still training? And like, I'm just happy they're still doing jujitsu. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm over here now. I'm like, dude, that's awesome, bro. Like, this person's a really good coach. That's awesome that you, you know, that, that, that vibe fits you better. You know, that type of teaching or atmosphere fits you better. That's great. Sure. You know? Um, we need competition too. You know. And me being able to do that, that people can leave whenever they want, they, a lot of our retention level is really well, you know, and sometimes people have to leave, you know, like they can't pay for your membership. And why am I going to put that on jujitsu? Like, I feel like that brings negativity to jujitsu that it's a burden now. It's I not, see. they're not there paying because they want to, like, if they can't pay, they're like still have to pay. And I, some people send their contracts to collections and shit for jujitsu. It's like, dude, if they can't pay for it, let them not pay for it, man. They'll come yeah. and they come oh. back eventually. Like, dude, finally I got a new job. My hours changed or blah, blah, blah. And I could come back. Hell yeah, dude, come back. How does it work for you around the holidays though? Like I always felt that for gyms, if you don't have, auto draft in December, you're not going to make any money. No, you do. I mean, some people do cancel. Some people are smart and they're going to, they're going to cancel uh, ahead of time and it's okay. Let them, but so when you, come, have, you have some contract, but it's a short one. What is it like? No, a, like oh no. Month to month. Month to month. Okay. Month to month. Unless they cancel, they're going to get withdrawn. And yeah. And my, my uh, software doesn't even overdraft people either. So people are like, Oh, well, I don't like, it's like, dude, if you don't have the money in your account, it'll just send you an email. Like, Hey, you're, Payment didn't go through. Can you pay now? Yeah. Or do you have a new card? And that's it. And I don't even, I just don't like talking to my members about that because that's yeah, not really yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a yeah, builder. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm a jujitsu guy. I'm trying to talk about jujitsu. Yeah. 
and that makes it awkward for me you know yes. when i had to charge people or have to be like, hey, especially because you become friends with people on the mat yeah, yeah it's kind of weird and then every i everyone wants to like uh, a discount for me because they're my homies and, stuff, <laughs> and, and i do that you know because they're my homies but it's better when they go you know straight through my front desk person and then i don't talk oh for sure much better yeah. Yeah, you got to have a person managing your business that's Definitely. not friends with anybody. Definitely. Yeah, because then the, they don't care about the discount. Or they come talk, hey, Cristobal, can, can you hook me up with a with a 50%? Man, I don't handle that. Yeah. I'm just an employee. Yeah. 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 I just work I here. People uh, see me sometimes um, wearing my 10 Planet stuff. I'll tell them, like, hey, you train there? And I'm like, yeah, I train here. And they're like, oh, how do you like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> they love it. It's awesome. And sometimes, like, are, are you like a coach? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm one yeah. of coaches. I'm not going to tell you. Some people are like quick. No, I'm the owner. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I d dislike telling people that. You got over yeah. it though. Like yeah. that's, like that's people part are like, of oh, you train there? Like, yeah, business. yeah, train. Oh, like, oh, how do you like it? And oh, I love it. It's amazing. And uh, you should come and try it. Like, how much is it? Do you know? And like, oh, it's like, I think it's $99 a month or it's this much. <laughs> come and try it, dude. I know the first class is free. So you could just go in whenever you want. I give them that sales pitch, yeah, but yeah, from yeah. a different perspective. I don't think that's bad. You know, it's a good way just because. There. Then they go in and Quito's the owner. They're like, this guy bamboozled us. No, I feel like if they do that, then they're like, oh shit, he's the owner. Damn, dude. I feel like they're like, this uh, yeah. one didn't even no, tell joking. me. Like, he didn't have to show it to me that right. he was the owner. Like, well, hey, is it? I got to ask you. Maybe you've had this conversation with Eddie Bravo. Is it, Did he call it 10th Planet because he believes that Pluto is a planet? No, he calls it 10th Planet because back in the day, he believed in the conspiracy of Nibiru. Have you heard of it? It's a planet that, um, uh orbits in between mars and earth and he thinks that that's or he thought that's where aliens came from from that planet just the orbit is so big that it's out of our reach that we could see it it only comes around every like thousand years or something like that where aliens would be able to come to our planet that's why aliens haven't been able to come to our planet recently and <laughs> that was that's like the theory bro okay. but he doesn't believe that anymore that's He's a flat interesting earther. He's a flat earther. Yeah, hardcore. So he doesn't believe in Pluto. Or so, he that used, Pluto's a so he was actually going to call it Nibiru Jiu-Jitsu, but Joe Rogan told him to call it 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Oh. Because Pluto would be the ninth planet. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, that's why I, that's why I always thought that the name 10th Planet came from him the, the wanting, wanting to yeah. wanting to wanting to he was advocating for advocate Pluto. for Pluto to be a planet. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, one of the one of the things that got Pluto demoted from from its rank as a planet in our solar system is that it's so far away from our sun that it, it, it has yet to complete a full rotation around it since it was first discovered in about 1920. Wait, I really? Think. Yeah. I thought it dwarfed it. Like it was a dwarf. It's a dwarf planet. Well, it's really small. Yeah. But it's, it has to do something with the distance of, of, uh, the, the, of where it is from the sun. And I also, I also heard that it's so far out. It's just ice. It's just made out of ice. Yeah, but then they also say that I don't know, man. This stuff sometimes is just a mind bender. Um, they say that Mercury, which is the closest planet to the sun, the half of it that's facing the sun is—I forget the exact temperatures—but something unbelievably hot, while the other half of it is completely frozen because there's because of the vacuum of space. So the part of it that's facing the sun is boiling, burning hot, and the other side is completely frozen. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I, I don't think, want to go to outer space. I think we, we go back to that. <laughs> I like I like having an atmosphere. <laughs> Dude, what? Mercury is like the yin yang right there. Yeah. Fire and fire and ice. That's crazy. 
That's awesome, dude. I, I, I've always enjoyed it. I remember in school, we would go to the planetarium here in El Paso. And I thought it was a cool We have a planetarium here? Yeah, dude. Or we did when I went to school. Yeah. And were you, they had like the sky. This huge the, dome, the roof, dude. And like, like you learn sky. all this. But things. is it cooler than the background of the studio? It's, it, it actually reminded me. <laughs> I'm kidding. It reminded me. Of it. <laughs> it's up there. It's up there. <laughs> But see, it's space, and then there's like a, <laughs> a, a jellyfish. A jellyfish over here. You yeah, well, know. jellyfish are alien creatures, dude. dude They're in space. I mean, a different type of space. Yeah, like ocean. I think we know more about space our solar space. system than we do about our ocean, oh, which dude. is nuts. I've heard the ocean's amazing. Yeah, I just watched a documentary recently on uh, octopi, and this kind of this kind <laughs> of octopi. Yeah, this was kind of annoying because I, I found out in that documentary, I learned that if an octopus has a tentacle bitten off by a shark, it regrows another one to full size in as little as three months. And here I am. Well, he could detach from it himself. If it gets trapped something, he could detach from it. What a, well, here I am after six years of, of an MCL tear trying to figure out what to do about my knee. Yeah. Why can't I just Talk grow a new guy? Yeah, so I actually stem cells. Um, uh, the last trip, thing there to do now. Eddie told me there's one in Tijuana now, and the guy used to be 10th Planet, that's where he went. So that you could do it into like your bloodstream and also local where you but need it. Well, thing- I went to Dr. Roddy McGee in Las Vegas and I consulted with him, and he's uh, done a number of UFC fighters. He's uh, he, he was on, on Joe Rogan and then he's uh, worked on. I believe Daniel Cormier and Francis Ngano. He's done a lot of famous people. You, you can find that information on his website. And I talked to him about it. And at the end of the day, well, at the end of the conversation, it just seemed like it could very well be a placebo. Because, and he's, he's one of the most honest people I've ever talked to, man. That guy's great. Like if, for an orthopedic surgeon to sit there with me for an hour and talk to me about PT, uh, stem cells, plasma injections, strengthening, taping, using kinese tape when I worked out. Like he talked to me about so many things that I could do. And then he goes, look, if you want to try the stem cells, we'll try them. And I'll tell you that a lot of my patients, the majority of my patients have had terrific outcomes. But there is no guarantee that it's going to make you better and it's going to cost you about $5,000. So it's up to you if you want to try it. I thought that's like the most fair thing that well, anybody can tell you. I'm like, here's, that's here's a good. I love this guy about that, and I love that when doctors are are not just specific, right? Like they're not just what am I good at, and they're not justifying a yeah, a, well, a living expense, right? Well, let me, like, let me tell you. Hold hold that thought. Let me tell you about an, an experience with a, with another surgeon that I went to, and I walked in. He does an X-ray of my knee, and and just the way my knees are designed, my patellas are laterally shifted. And um, I believe it's called chondromyelia, something like that. No. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that would be the cartilage is not formed appropriately. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. That's why. So well, okay, that's why you're the PT. Um, and he just looks at the X-ray of my knee, and he comes into the room with the X-ray, and he goes, "Well, I'm going to cut this tendon. I'm going to I'm going to graft a new tendon over here, and I'm going to pull your kneecap over here." And I'm like, "I'm like, whoa! You haven't even asked me what my symptoms are. You already want to redesign my entire knee? Yeah. I never went back to that guy. Well, and that's the thing. They have. <laughs> That's what he's trained in, right? Like he's trained in restructuring and fixing. You're a hammer. Everything looks like nails. Well, and he wants to make sure that it is aligned per- correctly because he wants the human body to look like Certainly. the the the, <clears throat> the average, right? Like what what's a human body supposed to look like? Let's make it. Look yeah, the like way that. it is on a chart. And that's not bad. That's okay. And he's probably good at what he does. Cool. What your other doctor that you went it. to? Let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but the other doctor, he realized that. 
You Americans always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Well, you got to. Here's the thing. <laughs> that other guy was also investing in himself. The other doctor you're talking about, because he realized that his surgery is only a part of the puzzle, mm. right? He wants you to be able to be strong enough beforehand. Afterwards, he understands that blood flow is a big component to it. Yes. He understands that like medicines are this. And, and there's a there's room and space for every one of those attributes. And he goes, do all the other things because my surgery is going to do better when you're in a better place, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that's really smart. I, I appreciate that a lot. As opposed to just saying, no, I'm the doctor. I'm going to do this correctly. I know how to fix this. And then... When you leave his office, he's on to the next knee and the next knee and the next knee, yeah. right? And so that the team approach is, is what's going to get you feeling better. Whether it's placebo or not, whether you, you're not going to regenerate your MCL. That's not going to happen. You, Even you, with stem cells? Because you, well, they're, they're supposed to regenerate cartilage though, right? Sure. But stem, stem cells are, from my understanding of it, they're, they're just like a blank cell and they're going to take the shape of where you put them correct but there's also yeah, they operate on on a on a uh, something called field effect so yeah where yeah, they grow to resemble the the cells around them but that's at that moment and that stem cell has a half-life they're gonna die they're gonna not be in your body after a while your body's gonna your the immune system is gonna take them out if it doesn't recognize it there's gonna be some shifting and remodeling that happens for years after that now you just had this one injection or you have a series of injections that are going to help remold that, but you still need blood supply. You still need your knee doing appropriate things. You still need to be able to get your hip to be strong enough so that your knee is aligned and doing what it's supposed to be. Yes, Instead of just huge. focusing on the knee, it's just a part of it, right? Stem cells and, and have been used on athletes in other countries all over uh, for a long time. And, and they regenerate and they do stuff. But if you continue doing something wrong, you're going to re-injure your MCL. Oh, sure. You're sure. going to re-injure your hamstring. Yeah, yeah. This. And so, so it's just a piece. So is that why um, they recommend to put stem cells in like the bloodstream? Because it goes like, it's like your whole body. It's like yeah, a but an MCL, your whole body an MCL doesn't have a, a blood supply, right? Or like certain cartilage right, won't have blood supply. Or a ligament. Right. And so that, that kind of stuff ends up negating that, right? So what's your approach? Maybe you inject it specifically there. But what if that synovial fluid takes it out of there? What if, you know, and you put in a hundred, let's say a hundred stem cells, and then only five of them stay where they're supposed to. You, I don't know. It's hard to track. And I don't know a lot about it, but yeah. I, I know enough to kind of have a conversation. Well, and, that's one thing I've always wondered is how does the cell stay in the knee? You're injecting this, this, there's it's a probably some, oh, okay. So the, the knees is kind of saran wrapped into, into, and, and brings those bones together, but there's, several layers of it and depending on where the fascia right is that what yeah that the the fashion stuff like that um depending on where the injection is put and then how the knee works right like if they try to inject it into the cartilage right like it may damage the cartilage it may not be something that's supposed to be there and the body may not accept it but if your knee's been poked or it's been torn or it's been other things then it may not stay there and maybe swelling in in that you know, inflammatory response may take it out of there. You, there's a lot of research that shows that too. And so it's kind of hard. It's kind of a coin flip. Yeah. You, you don't know how much it's actually staying there, but it's cool that that guy was like, Hey, here's your options. Let's try it. That's awesome. My grandma tells me to eat bone marrow. There you go. <laughs> you know, you know, when you, uh, when you cook bones so good, and bro. you suck the marrow out, dude, 
Nice. Love that. You never done that? I, I put it on a tortilla and then with like uh, salt, and salt, salt and like some salsa. You can scrape it out, dude. You, they cut them like, like uh, on the yeah link. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Throw yeah. them on the grill yeah, and, and then you're able to out. just like with a spoon. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, a, is that supposed to be good for the joints? Is that supposed to help? Your knees. So it's supposed to be it's like omega three fatty acids. Right? Dude, it's, it's like a lot of fat, but everything. that's where blood originates inside your bones. Yeah, yeah. And so it has a lot of, you know, healing properties. I guess people. Talk. But if it goes through your digestive system, you may not just, absorb all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know what you eat has a lot to do with your with with how you're built. So I used to always say that when I was fighting, I'd say it's not a fair fight because I'm fighting kids who grew up in America eating chicken McNuggets. Yeah, but you where I grew up, where I grew up eating goat liver. <laughs> And and you know it's not a fair fight. That's true. I'm just I'm just made differently. I'm a thoroughbred Lebanese stallion. Oh, here we go. Well, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that you let us know that you've lost a lot of fights too, oh, early on. What are you talking about? You said no, 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 no. No, I won all my fights. I'm I'm three and zero, but I've lost a lot of jujitsu matches to wrestlers who take me down and then don't do shit. Oh, and they, they beat me with points the from referees. the takedowns. Because of the referees. Yeah, John. Dodson. What do you what do you excuses, think the referees bro. are eating? <laughs> excuses. What are, what are the referees eating? Did they Probably eat? a lean mixture. I mean, the way that they're judging the fights. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh well. Hey, um, we just hit two hours. So uh, I, I know you've got you've got twin boys and responsibilities and you're visiting from out of town this worked out great that, yeah, that you happen to be here this Thanks was this was a good conversation um anything anything you want to add or you're ready to wrap it up no i'm um i think it was a great conversation we always have great conversations right yeah. they're always um hard ones sometimes but uh <laughs> jimmy always uh gives me a different perspective as a, from everyone else we get a little here. too technical sometimes yeah yeah Hey, but it's cool to watch you guys do that. It's you can tell you don't agree on everything, yeah. but you're you're willing to have that conversation. I think we need more of that. I feel like that's yeah. a big problem with uh, like for example, politics right now that people feel that everyone has to think just like they do. They think, and we're all from different walks of life and different styles or ways of thinking or brought up differently or how we were talking about genetically. You know, they're we're different, and we gotta accept people for who they are. You know. They're a certain way. Um, that's okay, you know. It's, there's a place for them in the world of how, however they want to be. That it's gonna fall in line for them, and the world's gonna fall in line for you in a different way. And learn from it. Yeah, and don't hate each other just because people are different. That's what makes the world awesome. Because you meet different people. Boom. Let's end on that. Yeah. Um, tell people all about your stuff. Each of you, your website, your business. How do they find you? Your Instagram, whatever you want them to know. Um, so my Instagram, I think is, uh, see, I think it's Chavez underscore Chris 10 P. Figure that out real quick. Um, Santi, you got a website or something? Um, honestly, I, I work, uh, in Houston and I, I enjoy what I do. It doesn't, I don't have any business. I have a Spanish class that I have been teaching for a while, but right now with COVID it's slowed down. Um, but I'm here to support this guy, man. Just here to, to really push the dream he's been living and and enjoy watching it grow being a spectator to it so hopefully uh so ho hopefully after uh if you know we don't get shut down again um we're i'm gonna be i'm working on hosting more tournaments instead of just once a year cool so gonna have that once a year thing and that's gonna be like the main big tournament 
but I'm going to be doing a lot of other ones. Uh, I've already done a few other ones, but I've been, I'm going to do like a blue belt tournament. I'm going to do like a, like a team of three tournament again. Like that's what I did once. Uh, it was a team of three people and you had to add up to 500 pounds. I like that. And yeah. you kind of made your own mixture. God, that adds such a different strategy and play and yes. game to it, which is awesome. Cause you change the lineup around and, you know, it's pretty much an absolute weight division because sometimes they put their biggest guy first and you put your lightest guy first because you want your big guy at the end. Yeah, it, it, it makes it really, really, really fun. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Exactly. And then also uh, I was talking actually to Mondo. We're, we're working on having like a duels tournament too, where uh, each team has one representative for each weight class. And um, it'll be like a four man bracket. So we put like four teams together. And then each bracket, each weight class has a four man, one guy from each team representing. I like that. First place gets like three points. Second place gets two points. Third place gets one point. And then the last place doesn't get any points. And then at the end, the team with the most points wins. And we're going to have like a big ass trophy for that one team. Cool. Maybe we'll have some individual medals. We probably should. But um, at the end, it'll be that ter- that trophy. And um, we're going to every that, there's just going to be one trophy and every time we That's have right. that thing the person the team that won it comes back with that trophy and then the next team that wins takes that trophy to their spot you know so mm. they're kind of like the holders of uh, we're thinking of making like a big huge sword in like a rock or something nice That's pretty cool so yeah. i didn't i didn't mean to cut you off a second ago but i thought you were going to look up your instagram so I did. Did you found it, did, it i did get it right okay. it is chavez underscore chris tempe Okay. And your website, your like, what do you want? Just whatever you the want. People to know. Is, uh, my gym website is 10th planet Okay, cool. Um, thanks guys. Thanks for coming Thank you, in. Jimmy. Absolutely. Thanks All for right. having us until next time. Peace out everybody.